Goot. Yeah, we can uh, talk about that on the air. All right. That's that seems like a kind of topic we, we would talk about. <laughs> right. To the minute. To yeah. the minute sort of a topic. That's Everyone's absolutely. waiting to hear our opinions about it. Yeah. Okay. What are they thinking about light switches? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And today we're going to be talking about what price is Coke? <laughs> Oh, well, that's, I thought, now that you put it that way, it's more interesting. Well, okay, so we usually drink... Uh, so is this from Colombia? No, no, we're, oh. we're talking about uh, oh. Coca-Cola. Um, we, we, we drink, uh, during the podcast, we drink beverages, we drink soda pop because we're children. <laughs> um, uh, but we usually drink uh, Coca-Cola. Sometimes we're off sugar, sometimes we're looking after our health. This is not one of those weeks. Uh, and I presented David with his Coca-Cola. It is 710 milliliters of uh, Coke. It's a, a larger than average bottle of Coke. It is. And he went like, oh, that's a big bottle of Coke. And I went, yeah, you know what? It was cheaper than the um, regularly sized ones. And he went, oh, yeah. And that made me think, what price is Coke? Because <laughs> if I buy a smaller bottle of Coke, yeah, uh, it costs often the same as a two liter bottle of Coke. Like, there doesn't seem to be, like, an amount of Coke that's, like, that's, it costs this much. Yeah. Now, if you get the tiny can of Coke, mm-hmm. uh, like, if you buy a six-pack of tiny Coke, yeah. that's going to cost you about the same price as, you know, a six-pack of regular Coke. And then all of that together will be the same price as the two-liter thing of Coke. Yeah. And it just doesn't matter. And then if we go to a big gulp uh, filling station <laughs> situation yeah. and fill the gigantic cup of, like, it doesn't, it's. There's no set price for Coke. It's just completely rando. But it feels like the less you drink of Coke, the more they will charge you for that Coke. But yeah. once you've like gone <laughs> bananas with it, it's just like, ah, it's just, yeah. uh, we'll pay you. If it's like four <laughs> liters, we'll pay you. Yeah. Drink it. Yeah. It's very odd. Like, I guess it's just because it's syrup and the rest of it is just water. Yeah. I think, I, but I think it's more to do with the marketing of it because you're paying more for the convenience of having less. And I guess there's more mm. pa- more packaging and everything in, in a smaller situation, like a smaller bunch of cans. There's more metal. There's more pack, you know, more stuff going on than if you buy one big giant 710. So we've got ourselves a lunchable situation where if you have like a couple of slices of meat, tiny slices of meat yeah. and crackers yeah, yeah. and maybe like an almond. Yeah. And then they're going to charge you like five bucks for that. Sure. And it's like a box of crackers is five bucks. <laughs> yes. Well, this is wrong. But you're paying for the convenience of not having of, to break, of a lot it, of packaging. break it down yourself. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, and you're thinking, oh, well, I'll buy these little Cokes and that way I'll cut down on how much Coke I'm drinking. But they don't want that. They don't want you cutting down on the amount of Coke you're drinking. They right. want you to drink, <laughs> keep it up there. So yeah, yeah. We'll encourage you to buy a 710 milliliter bottle of Coke, and that will, you know. As we've discussed on the show before, uh, Red Robins was the restaurant that started the bottomless pop, at least that we remember. Here, yeah, here. in in Vancouver, yeah, Canada yeah. land, uh, and uh, that was just stunning at the time. Was just this like, seems wait a second. <laughs> You're telling me yeah. I can get a second Coke for free. Yeah. You're just going to give me more Coke. Yeah, yeah. Holy cow. 
what? That's great. And then you realize it's like a drop of syrup. It is really. And it's they are also the ones that introduced bottomless fries here as well. Right. That you could, and they're... Their fries are okay. They're yeah, not it's great. Sa- well, same thing with with White Spot, which is where we normally go. Uh, where they'll come to you at the end of a meal, where you're like, Ugh, and you're like, <laughs> I'm okay. I knew what I was into yeah, yeah, coming yeah. to White Spot. I'm not sure. a, you know, you, you fool me seventeen times. <laughs> the shame on me. Seven thousand. And 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 they come at, at when you're a little bit ooh, and they go, <laughs> Would you like some more fries? They're free. Yeah. And you go, oh, They're free, but no. <laughs> But it sounds good. It sounds like a good yeah, yeah. idea. I've already cleaned my plate. I should have just ordered fries. <laughs> That's what I should have done. Yeah. It's, I mean, bottomless things. Look, people can't have that much unless that's their goal and they're trying to mm. olive garden you and like, I'm just going to like gorge on breadsticks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that the rest of the food tastes okay. Get so. free bread. Bread is pretty good. But when you're hungry, yeah. when you're hungry and you go into a restaurant, mm-hmm. bread's what you want. Yeah. Like bread just covers it all. It's just like, oh, it's got a nice crunchy like exterior. It's got mm-hmm. that soft texture. It feels like you're eating something. Uh, you put butter on it. Oh my God. That's fantastic. It's salty. It's fatty. Yeah. It's everything I want. Would you like some food now? I guess. But I've just <laughs> had the bread, which is the best. Okay. Whatever. But if you go to like Old Spaghetti Factory, they always skimp on the uh, the butter. So you get the free loaf of bread, and then you get this tiny little, uh, whatever they call those little pieces. The know. metal uh, Yeah, a little cup metal container, cup. yeah, the metal cup kind of thing, yeah. I, I'm sure they give you more butter, because they'll give you more bread. Yeah. So there's no way they're going to like... And they'll give you more butter with the bread. But it'll be, once again, it'll just be like the one... Because it used to be, in the, when, in the past, you would get the plain butter, and then you'd get the garlic butter. And no one would eat the plain, plain well, butter, because you would, you're, what you're, are you, a fool? You're desperate. But then, now, they only give you the garlic butter. They don't give you the... Yeah, they know. But they only give you one. Why are you wasting time with Before the... they gave you two. Yeah. For this, Now they give you one for the same size loaf of bread. Because here was what happened. That's the thing. See how they did that? Yeah. Here's what happened. Someone, there was a meeting and they were <laughs> sitting around the table and someone was like, we got to cut costs somewhere. What do we want to do? We want to fire all the employees? And they're like, no, no, they have families. Well, what can we possibly do? What if we cut our bud- butter budget in half? Yeah. Explain. <laughs> no one likes the plain butter when there's garlic butter. Yeah. People are fine with plain butter as long as there's no garlic butter next to it. If there's garlic butter, then the regular butter can fuck off. Sure, but you use up the garlic butter. Saved all that money, and then everyone's (laughs) jobs were saved, and all the kids went to college. And one of those people found a cure for disease, like all disease. Good for them. (laughs) And that's because we cut the butter in half. Wow, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, I mean, well, there's two things. One is the shrinking package. We've all had that. That's a, <laughs> you know, in the winter. In the winter, yeah, yeah, sure. Or you go to the pool. Yeah, but no, I'm just thinking of like if you go if you look at cheese in the stores now, they're a different size than they used to be for the same price. So rather than raise the price, they just they just cut the packaging down. So now the cheese you buy is less than you could buy in the past for the same amount of money. And you know, so you see that in restaurants as well, like the shrinking Big Mac and things like that. I know that they brought back like bigger Big Macs and things, but you're paying more for that. You're paying more for what you used to pay, what you're paying now right. for, you know, a smaller one. I guess they couldn't cut back on the quarter pounder because they've uh, put it in the name. Mm. So, whoops, yeah. that's your mistake. <laughs> I guess we'd have to weigh it. And Is that's it? weight before frying. Yes, yes, it would be. Um, so, yeah, I just, and then, so that's your one alternative. And the other alternative is 
is yes to to um to save my money is what was i going to say oh i can't remember your alternatives are to grin or bear it (laughs) well yeah yeah and now uh, now you can't get chicken what do you mean every time time, uh go to the store chicken's gone it's all gone really yeah go to safeway chicken's gone go to save on chicken's gone go to no frills chicken's gone it's all gone uh it's just uh yeah there was uh the avian flu Yes, yes, uh, knocked, sure it, knocked it all out, and and apparently it's jacking up the price of eggs. Though I, eggs seems to still be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, though a lot of people are complaining about eggs now. Yeah, well, what I got to do is I got oh, this is so dumb. There's this uh, place, uh, a little butcher butcher store on uh, Hastings, just around the corner from me, and uh, they always have these deals in the window that are just insane, like just insanely yeah. cheap deals on you know uh, salami and uh, ricotta cheese and it's cheek, like cheek meat. That you know what? If you go in, yes, and you talk to the people, yes, you could get a good deal on all that stuff. Yeah, but they just have stuff that's like in the in the window that's just like cheese. It's like cheese and like deli slices okay. and stuff. Yeah, and it's always like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> it's just like, and you're like, is this expiring like yesterday? And yeah. it's like, no, we just had a lot of it. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. So it's like three big packages of salami. And how much is that? The three big packages of salami, five dollars each. Nope. Whoa. Nope. There you go. That's a good deal. Yeah. How much ricotta cheese do you want? I like ricotta cheese, but I don't trust that this ricotta cheese is a buck. Why? <laughs> what kind of government experiment are you running here? Huh. This is too this is too good a deal. You've made me mad. Yeah. Grr. <laughs> but they're a really uh good uh, butcher shop. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. They're, they're so we're so apologetic. But do over, they have chickens? Yeah, um Sometimes. Okay, sometimes yes. <laughs> but they're very apologetic over the holidays because they could not get the turkeys in uh and their customers you know kind of depend on them mm-hmm. for that because mm-hmm. you know they get you the the free range the ones that went to college um you know <clears throat> so we can feel better about ourselves right it's the they uh, all die of joy the morel building yeah. turkey uh you can get the morel mushrooms in there i mean the, the pro i mean the thing about the avian flu is it's it's not like that we're not getting chickens because they're like going <laughs> you know oh we better not kill those ones they're coughing I mean, if there's one bird with avian flu, that means every bird on that property has to get destroyed. Yeah, you know, so it's pretty devastating to the to the industry and also to the food supply system <laughs> because it's not just like one chicken got sick; it's one chicken got sick and a thousand chickens yeah. had to get destroyed. So, yeah, it's a real hardship. Mm-hmm. And it's our second time through this as well. It's a, I mean, I'm not as connected to farms as I once was. Like I, you know, when the last time we had it, I was still being a farrier. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going to farms that had birds on them, and I would have to like step into a tray like a, with with a antibacterial detergent in yeah. it. And then when I left the property, do the same thing. And but you know now now I, I don't really see those. I'm not really around farms the way I used to be. Um, so I don't I haven't seen like what kind of I did see like a, a chicken farm near where we keep our horses that had like a bunch of biohazard bins. Yeah. Uh. In there, in a lot of them. So they had a lot of birds that had to get destroyed. Oh, so, damn. Yeah, yeah. It's, hard, it's a real hardship, obviously, for everyone, for the consumer and the producer. No one's laughing. All right. So a moment of non-laughter. <laughs> Wait, Dave, you're breaking the moment I of know. non-laughter. Well, I sorry you brought it up. If you yeah. had to just let it All right, let let's it just have there. a respect. Dave, we just okay. want a respectful moment All right. for the chickens. Okay, let's just... Oh, sorry. What? Sorry, I just... <laughs> What Dave, he, a respectful moment. What did he for the say chickens. to me? I don't know. <laughs> Sounded like buck off. I don't know. 
You're, I got enough of that for my own chickens. Yeah, I know. I was going, you you have chickens. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to think about them because um, like during last summer, I took down the bird feeders because I didn't want the wild birds around because they're, they are a big part of spreading the avian flu, unfortunately. Mm. So get them out of here. I always like when um, when you meet someone who has chickens as well <laughs> yes. and uh, they know you've got chickens and there's just this little bonding thing of just like another, oh, another kind of chicken person. What kind of chickens? Yeah. Mine are like this. Mine do this. Mine do that. I'm now thinking that it's weird that uh, Kids in the Hall had their reboot uh, this year, and I don't think there was any Chicken Lady sketches. Hmm. Huh. That's odd. It's just like you think like... Well, here's my question. Mm-hmm. Are they dressing up as much as they used to as women? Or is that maybe gone by the wayside? No, with... no they got uh, they got some of that in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. But, I noticed maybe, they did the I office, mean, it's did less, the office uh, It's less blackface than there used to be. So, uh, Wait, you know, black a, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark McKinney had a blues musician. Oh, that's right. I mean, but you know who, but you know who else did? Yeah. Uh, everyone. Yeah. It was every sketch say, group. Every, every sketch. Yeah. You, you mentioned a sketch group and just mm-hmm. like, you know, Monty Python. Oh yeah, of course. You know, uh, Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but not recently. Well, I mean, <laughs> Billy Crystal did it on the Oscars, I think like 10 years ago. Mm. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I hope it was ironic. How about how about Mr. Show? I'm yes. It's why uh, the, actually um, when they did their reboot, the Bob and David uh, uh, thing. Yeah. that's the one episode you can't watch on Netflix because there was some uh, blackface. In oh, it. okay. Yeah, and they pulled that one. But the weird thing was they have a making of episode that's part of that, and you can see the sketch in the making of okay. episode. <laughs> So you can't see the sketch, but you yeah. can see the... So was the, the sketch pulled or the entire episode was entire pulled? entire pull, uh, episode was pulled. Oh, that's weird. Why not just cut the, epi- the sketch out of it? Or was it one of those linking ones that goes on and on? Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I watched that program. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was nice the other day. Um, there was a picture of a local uh, improv group, uh, Sunday Service. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend uh, Nancy Robertson was there. And it looked like she was jamming with them. Oh, fun. And uh, also uh, Bob Odenkirk. Wow. Yeah. What? Who I think wow. is uh, in town doing uh, his new uh, TV show that just got renamed recently. Oh, really? Yeah. It was called Blackface, but now it's called... Yeah, well, yeah that's right. Huh. Uh, let's see. Bob Odenkirk uh, sitcom. I'm going to look up. What the what the heck? Yeah, it's, it's a sitcom. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a sitcom. Is what it is. But it was like, oh, that's nice. It's nice seeing him in town doing things. All right, so we're going after upcoming projects. Uh, yeah, Lucky Hank. Okay, which is based on the the novel Straight Man, and it's coming out uh, this year. Okay. Yeah. And it was it was called something else before that was a worse name, much much worse name. It's not a good I, name. Lucky Hank. Yeah. Okay. That's not great. Well, it was uh, called something else, and uh, now it's called uh, this, yeah. and that is what it is, and I'm sorry that that's a boring story, because <laughs> I cannot... You can't improve it with something? Oh, wait. Oh, here we go. All right, I got the thing. Uh, yeah, it was... Okay. All right. Okay, here we yeah. go. Here we go. I'm getting there. Kay. Lucky Hank. Reveal it. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was called Straight Man before. It was named the same oh, thing okay. as the novels. Beforehand, it was Straight Man. I don't think that's a bad name, but I can see that maybe people thought it would be too... Um... I don't know. It's kind of weird. Too straight? Just too manly? Too, yeah, something. Too sounds like a Tim Allen project? <laughs> oh, oh. Real man. Real man comedy. <laughs> grunt, grunt. <laughs> yeah, maybe it had that to it. I noticed that with the arrival of that the 90s show, I think it's or that 90s show. What is it called? The yep. 90s show? 
on Netflix that it brought out a flurry of YouTube videos saying why Netflix can't do sitcoms. <laughs> so I was like, oh, interesting. I didn't watch any of them. I thought their uh, One Day at a Time one was uh, good. Okay. Uh, actually, it was quite good, but I don't even know what other sitcoms they've done. Yeah, I guess The Ranch, was that a sitcom? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the 90s show is like, if that's it, just One Day at a Time in the 90s show. Well, like, they had Blockbuster. I don't know if you count that as a sitcom. I don't know what that is. Uh, that was a, um, a sitcom about uh, a Blockbuster video. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, someone someone bought the name Blockbuster for very little money, and they were able to turn it into a uh, sitcom? These, these, these are good questions that you're asking. That, uh, <laughs> that wasn't a question. I, I wish I, of a statement. Uh, oh, I, guess I wish I, I knew the answer. Maybe I did end it with an inter- to, uh, interrogative. Yeah, I had one season on uh, Netflix. With Blockbuster? Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's one reason why you can't do a sitcom, is if you keep canceling it after a season. Yeah, that's not. the thing. Every time it was, it was uh, I was listening to um, a podcast about, oh, really? about Cheers. Okay. And it was talking about how when Cheers came out, yeah. you know, the ratings were awful. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like you think about like uh, Seinfeld when that came out. Oh, yeah. Worse than Cheers. <laughs> yes. Like this seems to be the thing. Cancelable, like, yeah. It feels like that's the thing with comedy is like anytime you come up with something somewhat new, mm. people will be like, well, that's not old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. But then over time, hey, this is less old now. Yeah. Now I like it. Now I'm used to it. Now yeah. I'm addicted to it. Now I love it. <laughs> now it's my favorite. And then it becomes the, the biggest thing of all time. Yeah. 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 It's like spin it off. Spin it off. Sure. I mean, I, I, I guess we can imagine that the original, like when MASH started, it wasn't that successful because they pared the cast down by about 24 people. Mm-hmm. You know, because the original... It, it became a very different show. Yeah, like the original first season is much more like the movie with a lot of people and a bunch of, you know, like like a lot of characters and a lot of noise and stuff going on. And then I guess they kind of realize, oh, the these are the ones that everyone likes. You know, they like Chopper John and they like Hawkeye and then they like Hot Lips and they like Frank Burns as the, you know, to have the, the uh, antagonists in the situation. And then just a few minor characters around that. And let's just get rid of everyone else. Like, we'll get rid of all the other kids. You're out of here. The Australian guy, gone. This guy, gone. Yeah. The Office didn't do well when it started either. Like, the American mm. American version of The Office. I because mean, the, they were too much like the British one. Well, also, the idea was like... Uh, I, like, I, I remember when people were auditioning for The Office, and they did auditions here in Vancouver. Okay. And people were like, oh, don't audition for that. That'll be the worst. You can't... I mean, The Office is a perfect sitcom. You can't do an American version. You're just going to be embarrassed. Which, you know, they did American versions of Red Dwarf. They did American versions of the IT crowd. They mm-hmm. did American versions of uh, wow, well, things that are you know didn't work. Yeah, uh, spaced uh, all with good casts yeah. and what have you. Uh, but yeah, it was just like it's just it's a fool's errand <laughs> to try to recreate you know the '70s where you had like all in the family. You know, based on uh, One Foot in the Grave yeah, and um, yeah. uh, Three's Company, based on Man About the House, Sanford and Son, Steptoe and Son. Yeah. Uh, but you couldn't do Keep that going. anymore. Come on, some more. How many more? Well, how many more can yeah, I do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, oof, something about doctors, not Doctor in the House. Uh, well, there was, there was, um, oh, the Cracker. Too, too Close for Comfort was based on a British one as well. I don't know, don't know what the British one was. That was uh, based on I Can See Your Bum. <laughs> I don't think so. It was like, uh, you know, yeah. the place was just too, uh, too, too, too close together. Yeah, and it was like, oh, I can see a bum, and it was like that's what they'd say every uh, episode. 
I guess some shows, like some British shows that were very good or impossible to import here, like To the Manor Born, would make no sense in an American context. But a cri- but a, such a cringe comedy thing as The Office. Yeah, you yeah. You can't do it with feel-good American sitcoms. That's yeah, a very yeah. different beast. Yeah, for sure. And that was true. And yeah. then they made they the lead the, character yeah. more likable and mm-hmm. gave him a better haircut. And, <laughs> and then it became like the biggest hit. And they also, they also changed like uh, Dwight becomes more of the focus of the show. You know, and he becomes more important, really. Like, he come, kind of becomes a central character right. to each if story. Right. If it was MASH, it would be like going, let's take Frank Burns. Yeah. Let's yeah. make him sympathetic yeah. to, to a degree. He's still yeah. a bit of a jerk. Yeah. But, like, he's your we focus. We understand why he's a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. That's who you want to have is like, you yeah. know, you're, you're, you're going through. And uh, mm-hmm. then we're really going to give McLean Stevenson a lot to do. <laughs> I'm like, really? Okay. All right. You don't want to give it a focus to the good looking guy for the most part? Yeah. No, he'll be there. He'll be there. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it. Office is pretty good. I'm not a big fan. I'm not a huge Steve Carell fan, so I I can't totally get behind it. I just don't find him very funny. Okay, well you're or wrong, like, but or, that's fine. Or likable. That's anyway. I'm totally wrong, and you're fine. <laughs> that's okay. Um, well, you can't be wrong subjectively, but okay. That's true. You can't be wrong subjectively. <laughs> so it's an opinion. Objectively, mm-hmm. yeah, it's wrong. It's okay. <laughs> um, fair enough. It's okay. Uh, this doesn't yeah this doesn't appeal to me here's a here's a weird thing to me is uh when you're doing the redos of the british ones mm-hmm. is with man about the house did you ever watch man about the house uh, i think i've seen a little bit of it yeah i used to watch man about the house before i watched before three's company came okay. on because my grandparents were british oh uh, sure and sure. so you know it's a lot of stuff in there <laughs> um but the weird thing to me is uh man about the house had two spin-offs it had uh, George and Mildred. Sure, basically the Ropers. That's the thing, and yeah. then it also had Robin's Nest, okay. which which was uh, you know um, the the man yeah. who was about the house. Yes, <laughs> uh, started his own restaurant, uh, but needed a loan from his girlfriend's father, uh. and uh, and so they all had to live together. And oh, I don't like him. Oh, he's not, but he's a good cook. So, and the big scandal on that show was they weren't like it went from a guy pretending. Well, it it went from a guy where it was like maybe they're having sex. No, they're not. Uh, to this guy's having sex. Uh, with an unmarried, and they're unmarried, and they're a couple, and they're uh, shenaniganing around. Wow. That's no good, says England. <laughs> and so a year in, they had to get married. Okay. Wedding. But what Just what I find odd about that is. It's a it's a show that was a redo, yeah. and then they redid the two spinoffs. So yeah, it was uh, Three's Company, then it was The Ropers, yeah. and then it was uh, Three's a Crowd. Mm, so yeah. they they did the, they did the spinoffs mm. as well, which is weird. It's weird that the, that that occurred, but it didn't. And the two spinoffs didn't work in, uh, yeah. in America, yeah. But they did in uh, in, uh, in the UK. Maybe because they only have six episodes a, a year, so <laughs> even even the, at that time, I don't think that there, I don't I don't remember how many there were of such things. It is weird when you watch um, when you watch episodes of uh, Doctor in the House, and they're written by Graham Chapman. Some were written by John Cleese, yeah. And that and Graham Chapman worked with a partner. I can't remember his name now. I think Douglas Adams helped him with some as well. Right, Douglas Adams definitely worked on. on but uh, someone else as well to help was a was a writer with him. I think. Graham Chapman, by his nature, worked better as a collaborator than as a, a person who just did it on his own. But Well, he had the problem with the alcohol, so you know, <laughs> that sometimes your collaborator has to do the heavy lifting. Yes, yes, that's Certain nice. periods of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, kind of an early run at Faulty Towers in Doctor in the House, where they go stay at a small hotel, and there's a really terrible uh, hotel keeper 
Mm. which is based on a real character that the pythons encountered while they were traveling to film. And so John Cleese was so fascinated by this person, he, he wrote this Doctor in the House about him and then, and then also created an entire yeah. show around, around the character as well. Okay, so I'm looking at George and Mildred. Okay. That had um, five, five seasons. That's pretty good. Oh, with 38 so, episodes. So th- okay. So that's seven, seven and a half episodes yeah. a season, which is yeah. a weird... Must have been season. a Christmas special. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, they pack it all in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, is that a similar situation with Man About the House? Matt, yeah, Man About the House had six seasons. Okay, that's pretty and good. And it had uh, 39 episodes. <laughs> and one short. But, but here's the thing about Man Here's about- the thing, actually. Okay, give me. Porridge got a movie. I was just about to say, okay, like almost all the sitcoms of the time, yeah, they all had movies. Oh, did they have a so movie? Man I about the see... House did have a movie. George that. and Mildred did have a movie. Okay, released in theaters. Yeah, and so a lot of North Americans' exposure to these sitcoms, yeah. is seeing the movie that uh, was the spinoff uh, of the sitcom. Yeah, but they would air they would air the movie on like CBC late at night, and you're like, oh, it's George and Mildred the movie. What's this about? <laughs> Well, you know, there it's based on a sitcom you didn't see. Okay, that was based on another sitcom you didn't see. So there'll be references to that as well. Yeah, yeah. Are you on board? I don't know. It's all confusing. Didn't watch Doctor Who. Okay, what's this about? What's going well, it's on? this guy? Oh, but I think I've watched this before, but it was a different guy. Yeah, but it's the same guy. What? Explain. That's that's funny. I didn't realize those shows got. Um... I mean, maybe that's a, a statement about the state of the British film industry, circa mid seventies. That that was that was their major productions. Were, were yeah, oh, here's here's a weird sitcoms. thing about that. I'm looking at Man About the House. Okay, so Man About the House ran from seventy three to seventy six. First sure. of all, you would think with six seasons, yeah, that would be six years. Wrong. There's <laughs> multiple seasons in a year. That's confusing. But it started in 73, went to 76. Yeah. yeah. The film version yeah. was released in 74. Okay. So like a year after this show was out, they went, make sure. a movie. And yeah, they yeah. made the movie. Well, that's the thing. The British film industry, going. either you get Man About the House or Zardoz. That's all. That's your output for that year. Yeah. Two movies. Zardoz around the, about the house. <laughs> Zardoz around the house. <laughs> that's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. No, I remember I I did like the uh, show when I was a, a kid because it was uh, pretty girls mm-hmm. and there was always like a situation where like I've got to shave but I'm in the bath. Well, <laughs> oh, I've still got to get to work. I've got to shave. It's like all right, but don't look. Oh, I won't look. Yeah, he looked. <laughs> it is kind of unfortunate that we lost that. We lost the. I mean, I guess we can watch them now, but I don't know where BBC or something or. Whatever it's called, BritBox or something. But I, I've never seen like sitcoms I don't on think there. So, no. Yeah, like try what? to find George. Well, I wonder if you can find them on YouTube. Oh, probably mm. some 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 episodes, I guess. But yeah, it's just weird. Like, there's so many sitcoms that were su- like, especially later on, like in the '80s and things. You'd hear about like Auf Wiedersehen Pet and shows like that, and you'd be like, "Oh, that'd be interesting to see." But only where, like, you know, for a long time, the um, the public broadcasting stations in the states would play. Some sit because that's how I saw man, uh, To the Manor Born or Good Neighbors. I'm going to interrupt by saying uh, the um, first episode of Man About the House is on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. The Man About the House is I'm on sure, YouTube. I'm sure. The, yeah, go ahead. It's so old. No one cares yeah, about it anymore, no so, I suppose. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> it's like the whole, the whole episodes of Man from Uncle and things like that, you know, you can watch on YouTube. You know, The Prisoner, you can watch all of it on the Shout Factory yep. TV channel or YouTube channel. But, um, yeah, it's just, it just feels like... 
Like we got like some of the best, you know, the rise and the rise and fall of original parent shows yeah. like that. And then suddenly it just kind of cut off and we never got to see like the later shows. Maybe they weren't as good. I don't know. But and of course, you're just seeing like a select amount of them. I've t- told the story before about going to England. I guess the first time I went there in 1989 and I saw this TV show called Citizen Smith. And because in Britain, they don't like here we have like rerun stations mm-hmm. and they just play reruns. Like you wouldn't turn on like NBC and watch like a show from 1977 in 19, whatever we're there. Let's say we're there in 1989. Right. You wouldn't see a show from 1977 in 1989 on NBC. Like they're not going to play like old episodes of all in the family in prime time, you know, but in BBC they're, they're just whatever. So I saw the citizen Smith show. It was on like at eight 30 at night or no, it's BBC. So it was on at eight 39 at night. It started, and so I assumed it was like a new show, but it seems so weirdly retro. Like I was watching, I was going like, "This is a very odd show." Like, why are they making fun of like mili- you know, militant, you know, kind of fo- fake communists? And like, you know, he's just like a con artist, but he, yeah. his whole con is about that he's like a leftist, and you know, and uh, so he's Citizen Smith, right on, brother. Unions all the way, and then he has a friend who's like, uh, I assume every week he would have some other like like kind of uh faddish thing that he would be obsessed with sure so the one i saw he was obsessed with some sort of macrobiotic diet or something and and then he had a his father-in-law was played by the actor peter vaughn i don't know if you know that actor no. kind of a stern older guy and um and probably that's what he played his whole life like sort of yeah. executive types or whatever and but he's like the the father of of the well, his girlfriend the second he turned 25 he played the old guy. Yeah, exactly he's like old from the start yeah yeah and uh yeah just one of those actors and so and so i was watching and i was like and i was like oh this is a really good show it's really and i just but i assumed it was new because it was on at new television time i had this is my first time in england right and so i was talking to someone about it i was like oh i saw this show and they're like oh yeah that's an old show from 79 or something i was like oh that makes sense because it made no sense like what the topic was like yeah it just seems so like weirdly retro like why are you why is he dressed like this why why does it ever look like this and what you know what am i watching life on mars but a sitcom like it just seemed really strange but it was because it was old but they just they just put them on at any old time they don't care they just you know they don't have like a set like here in North America, we have like set times for things, you know, they, between seven and 10 or 10 and 11, this is new television time. You know, you're going to get your game shows for an hour, then you're going to yeah. get your sitcoms or your, your hour dramas. <laughs> I remember the weird thing about, uh, sorry to go back to Man About the House for a second, is like they, they'd have the same kind of, you know, misunderstandings and wacky mm-hmm. situations, but then they'd have like, like, uh, like all know, sitcoms. What's that? I said like all sitcoms. Yeah, but here's what all sitcoms don't have here is like, <laughs> then you get to the climax of it, it's just mm. like, what what's going on? <laughs> and then end of act one. <laughs> and then uh, you know, they go to commercial yeah. or or more than likely it would be end of act one, start of act two. Okay. And then back into it. <laughs> also that and like, all right, and then we're back. And like it was weird that they would break it down mm, into mm. that, but they had the very distinct yeah, time, yeah, you know, this is where we put the commercial in. Sure, don't mess about. Yeah, here we go. I don't think and I ever... there's only one break, one break, not yeah. multiple breaks. So, I don't think I ever really watched that show. I think because I think I would have seen Three's Company before that it came, mm-hmm. like before it was available for me to see or before I was aware of it. And then I think I probably just associated it with sort of trashy television and wasn't that interested, you know. We have grown to admire. Uh, John Ritter's physical comedy, uh, I think, uh, over time. As a culture? 
as a culture, as a people, yeah, I think people were charmed. Well, by there's a reason he's on the American dollar bill. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, the they called the Ritter bucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Give me, give me three Ritters. How come we haven't come to admire Chevy Chase for his physical comedy? Because he only did it for like a couple of seconds and really got hurt. <laughs> like I feel like John. I mean, here's here's the thing about John Ritter as yeah. opposed to Chevy Chase. Yeah. Chevy Chase's way of doing physical comedy was, I'm going to climb up this ladder, yeah. and now I'm going to fall off this ladder. Yeah. Oh, he really hurt himself. <laughs> I'm going to take some drugs to kill the pain, and now I'm addicted to drugs. Yeah. And that's the Chevy Chase method. Yeah. The John Ritter method is, yeah. my father was Tex Ritter, okay. who was a cowboy in movies. He showed me how to fall. Yeah. So I'm going to do some ladder stuff, but I'm going to fall from the ladder safely yeah and not get addicted to drugs <laughs> and so i'm also coincidentally not going to be an asshole mm. uh because i'm you know uh going through all this pain and awfulness <laughs> and that's the difference mm. and so one was more appealing yeah it's interesting because i listened to that fly on the wall episode with chevy chase which has to be the most couldn't couldn't get couldn't couldn't get into it couldn't no it. because there's he doesn't answer any of the questions he just always um I had a word in my mind, but I can't remember now. But he, he's always like... Deflects? Deflecting, yeah. He's always deflecting or going to like a, a weird joke, you know, and everything's like a joke. Yeah. You know, can't answer a question. And a lot of jokes are really off-putting because he's just trying to be kind of a-hole-ish to just, to, just to deflect more. Do you think that he uh, respects Dana Carvey and uh, and uh, uh, his his buddy... Uh, David Spade? Uh, tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny Tim. Well, maybe more than you do. <laughs> Couldn't remember his name. David Spade. David Spade. Uh, do I think he respects <laughs> respects them? No, I I don't. I think, but I don't think. I mean, maybe he started off respecting them, but if you get interviewed by them, would you respect them? It would take you about four seconds to be like just tired of these guys. <laughs> if you're like, oh, because there is a point in the show where Dana Carvey asked a good que- like a question that Chevy Chase wanted to answer, which was, "Do you regret leaving the show when you did?" Yeah. That's the one question you asked Chevy Chase. And Chevy Chase wanted to answer it. Yeah. But Dana Carvey decided that now was the time to do a bit. And so Chevy Chase is like trying to, he's like, he wanted to answer it. Yeah. He like answered it three times before he was finally (laughs) allowed to say something. Yeah. And he did say, yes, I do regret leaving when I did. That's interesting. Then you do a follow up on that. Yeah. But no, you don't. You just go to go to some other zaniness or whatever, you know. Chevy, do you, do you like wearing scarves? You know, I don't know why I asked that question. I just popped in my head. Oh, shut up. I wonder with the shut Dana, up, shut up, with shut the Dana up. Carvey show, yeah, because it had such a powerhouse cast and such a powerhouse writing crew and and what have you. Mm. If And, of course, it went off the air because, like, and as they say, it was because it was, like, offensive off the top and it was <laughs> on after, uh, you know, home improvement. And, mm. you know, listen, when you think of wholesome entertainers, yeah. Tim Allen. Tim, <laughs> hey, look at my look at my dick, uh, <laughs> Allen. What? Um, was he yeah. flashing his dick? Uh, yeah, he's flashed his dick to Pamela Anderson on the set. And oh, that's she, the new uh, meaning for tool time. Woo! Unbelievable. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, but I just wonder if that show could have survived. Like, because I think there was like a humbleness to it when Dana Carvey was on it. Mm. And, you know, it, it failed for various reasons. Yeah. But, uh, but I wonder if like Dana Carvey, like, cause the problem is on, on the podcast. Yeah. When they're humble. Yeah. And it's interesting. And they're like, you know, this, this, and this, this, yeah, and yeah. the vulnerable, and it's really interesting. It's like, oh, yeah. that really is interesting. Yeah. And they'll throw a little joke in. But then it gets confident, too confident, <laughs> and then dominant. And then it's, ooh. And it's yeah, like, yeah. would the second season have been like, if it was a success, yeah. he would have just like dominated too much and they couldn't have 
it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I, yeah. and I, and I wonder even with that uh, uh, power power team that yeah. they had. Well, I think well the problem for what the problem for what that show was is where it was. You know, like what's the grace for Saturday Night Live is that it was like in garbage time, so no one had any expectations of what it was going to do or be. You know, and so it had no. But it was weird and it was new, and it, I think it has the same thing as we were talking about with like Cheers and Seinfeld yeah. and whatnot. It's just like yeah, yeah. you need to get a second season. Well, in yeah, there that's right. But because are now used to it, there was no expectations for it, so it didn't have to meet high expectations. It just could walk. It just kind of wandered along and and went into a second season, and it continued along. And I guess people liked it. I I'm not a huge fan of that time period of Saturday Night Live, and I watched it. I watched it as a kid. And even at the time, I was like, this is kind of boring. <laughs> but you watched it because it was on. Yeah. And you were like desperate for comedy. So, okay. Um, but I think, yeah, like having like a primetime sketch comedy show, like, oh, boy, how could you? How could you? Like, who could who could do that? That's pretty hard. Like, it just, you're if not going to. that gonna... was a late night show. Yeah. Yeah. Or, if, yeah, if it was like. If it came on right after like Letterman or it came on right after some talk show, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you could you could get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, if it was one night a week at some weird time, then it would work because there's no one. It's just there's no expectations for it. But you know, the network has thrown a lot of money behind to him and behind it. Obviously, it's hired a lot of really good people, hired them away from other things, so it's mm-hmm. paying them really well because they've left their other well-paying jobs mm-hmm. to go to work on this on a hope and a prayer. And then yeah, and then the network's like, oh, not successful right away. Pull the plug. Yeah, I mean and that's I, another reason. It's, and it's a, another example of of this would be. You know Conan O'Brien, where you know again horrible ratings off the top. You know this when he started the Tonight Show. You mean what? Not Tonight Show. No, when he started Late Night. Oh, when he took over David Letterman. Yeah, and and they were just going literally. They were going week to week Mm -hmm. with his contracts, and they never knew whether they're going to be renewed or what have you. They were getting really bad reviews. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But they stuck it out, Mm -hmm. and people got used to it, which I think you've got to do with comedy. Yeah, and uh, and and there you go. You know, anything anything that's new needs a little a little bit of time. And well, yeah, it's not even, but it's also that it's not new. So there's going to be blowback from people who are missing David Letterman's approach to how to how to do it. Conan O'Brien's a different comedian, has his own tone and stuff like that. And so people are like, well, this isn't this is an ironic '90s show. But or what, do you, what do you what do you care? Because Letterman's on another channel anyway. But, so but, it's like they didn't yeah, take yeah. your Letterman away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still there. well. They did in a way because what His he was on show, what Late Show was different than than the Late Night yeah. with David Letterman. But but yeah, I mean, yeah, the important. I mean, what's good for Conan O'Brien there was that he had the backing of of uh, Lorne Michaels, you know, who could fend off the. The executives to a degree to a degree but not really because the more that you hear lauren michael's stories like I, I, yeah. again we're talking about other podcasts on this podcast i was listening <laughs> to uh, an old john mulaney interview okay. where he's talking about how you know when his show started to like get bad ratings yeah and he was talking to lauren it was like yeah it might happen it might not there was nothing really lauren could do okay you know he couldn't sh- save the mulaney show and that's yeah. a show with like martin short yeah and yeah. elliot uh, elliot gould mm. and it's just like yeah, if you give that show maybe a second season, people get used to it. But nope, you know, we're done. Pull it, yank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It's a it's a weird, um... especially when it's so weird that they made it. They wanted to make it like uh, Seinfeld, and the network wanted to kind of make it Seinfeldy. Yeah, and it was like, oh, do you remember how Seinfeld did? <laughs> really, really did bad off the top. It's like, that's yeah. not what that's not what ne- the executives remember, though. Of course, no. You know, everyone has a filter, I guess, in their brain, so. That show was a I, roaring success. I was behind the Seinfeld Chronicles from the beginning. <laughs> I even remember it was called the Seinfeld Chronicles. Remember that? 
Chronicles. That was a good word to put in a sitcom title. <laughs> Easy to say. It just, it just slips off the tongue. Earl, Earl's off the tongue. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. You know what? You know what? It's bad. Lots of money. Put lots of money into things. It makes everything go, makes everything wrong. Yeah. I wonder if something like the, the Dana Carvey show of that uh, costs more than a sitcom. Oh, I would think so. Because a sitcom is, you know, if you think of it, it's pretty cheap in a way. You have, it's basically one set in most cases. And, or one set and then a couple of satellite sets. You know, if you think of the Happy Days, how many sets are in Happy Days? The house and then Arnold's? And then one one new set, usually a thing, like a yeah. school or whatever, yeah. like yeah, or the garage, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, but they had, yeah, they had their outdoor area for the basketball thing. I wonder where they shot. Uh, I wonder where they shot Arnold's because that was a it's real. A, it's outside. Yeah, the Arnold's okay. Arnold's had like exterior yeah, yeah, shots, yeah, that's like true. when when Fonzie uh, jumps the garbage cans. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's just on the lot. Who, what was it? Um, Paramount. Who who did that show? Well, it was ABC it was on ABC. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Curious. Let's go find it. Let's go find it. Is it the Universal lot? Did they tear it down? Is it gone? Because the Seinfeld was shot in L.A., which always blows my mind. Because you think of it, so oh, it's so it's so New York. No, it's filmed in on a New York set in uh, in L.A. Oh, that's weird. Another thing that was weird was uh, the, the base was recorded in New York, though, wasn't it? Which one? What the base? Yes, yeah, um, that in the subway station. The CBS uh, has studios. Uh, they sh- they used to shoot stuff for like ABC and other other places. Okay. Like, uh, politically incorrect. We went to a taping of that once upon a time, which was on ABC. Okay. And they shoot it at CBS because you know, it's just studios. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can rent them out. Yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna, yeah. And we were standing in line next to people who were going to uh, Prices Right. I was mm. like, maybe we should get in that line because you could get a car. Yeah. You know, you can't get a car in this line. Ah, well. Now nah, we'll go to this. It's fine. Yeah. The air conditioning was nice. You can have Bill Maher host The Price is Right, and then it's The Price is Correct. Yes. And then when we were like in there watching Politically Incorrect, we all turned to each other and went, isn't it nice that Bill Maher is still like, semi-sane? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I bet he still will be forever. Me too. I think that will be the case oh, as yeah. well. This is this is good. He won't be in a... What is, what is he in? Like He's in like a... There's a name for it, right? Where you're the bubble, an echo chamber, or whatever, where yeah. you only get to hear yourself and other people who like you. We'll go echo chamber. We'll go bubble. <laughs> I know. Like the thing I always say is like he starts off his um, his uh, stand-up shows by coming out and like you know there are no safe spaces here, <laughs> and it's like you got your name on a stage. No one else can talk. If someone talks, they're going to be dragged away by security. Yeah, this isn't a safe space. <laughs> what's not? What's not the safe space? Yeah. You know, if you don't get if you don't get laughter on a joke, yeah. you get mad at the audience and they have to applaud yeah. he means, to soothe you. He means this is the a, safest space I've ever seen. He means it's a safe. It's not a safe space for Elon Musk. That's that's what he means. Back then there was, uh, I guess nowadays he's referring to Elon Musk. Oh, in the oldie days when there was no Musk, <laughs> he just appeared fully formed, and then the next day he had hair. He was bald one day, and then the next day hair. Really? Yeah. Truly? Oh, yeah. You see you're, old pictures of Elon Musk. You're not confusing Musk. with Jeff Bezos? No, 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 no. Oh, really? Yeah. He had uh, kind of uh, George Costanza uh, oh, kind of uh, hair. And then one day, uh, George Costanza had <laughs> And then he didn't again. But there was a brief period of time where he had hair again for a while. And we all remember it, don't we, folks? And then it went away. Does anyone remember when he used to uh, be the spokesperson for the McDLT? Well, he used to. He was the McDonald's dancing uh, McDLT guy before he got Seinfeld. Jason? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Come out and talk about getting hot side hot. 
Yeah. Hot, hot. Get the cool side cool. Cool, cool. Dancing in the streets. Yeah, yeah. Dapa, dapa, da. Cha-cha. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's good a good gig. Him. Yeah, good for him. You get like a national McDonald's ad. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Rent's paid for a year. Good job. <laughs> yeah, good for him. I'm yeah, not, I'd say I say still do, do the Seinfeld Chronicles audition. See where that goes. <laughs> Don't turn that down. <laughs> yes. Hmm. What else can we say about sitcoms and sketch comedy shows? Uh, you know, Faulty Towers, I think, is still good. When you were bringing that up. Yeah. I think that still holds still up. Still holds up? I haven't seen it for a long time. People people use it as an example of like, just do a bunch of good ones and get the hell out of there. I'm like, yeah, that's a way to go. But, you know, there's a lot of good sitcoms that went a long time, too. Yeah. Yeah, I would. And I mean, the thing is, is, is you only remember the good ones. You only remember the good episodes. You're not going to. There's lots of Mary Tyler Moore episodes that I'm sure that are kind of, they're just fine. And then there's ones that are great. And those are the ones you remember. Did Connie Booth, who co-wrote the episodes with uh, Cleese, yes. uh, ever write anything else? I'm not too sure what she did after. All uh, right. I'm not too sure at all. Yes. They were, well, they were married. Yeah. His third wife at that point. I don't know where she, where she fell. He's a serial marrier. Yeah. And then you know, now he does a lot of jokes about being divorced and having to pay alimony. And it's just, oh, boy. <laughs> what? Oh, well, I guess. I mean, I guess if you make a lot of money, you pay a lot of alimony. Yeah. And, and you kind of want to say, too, at times, like, and do you not have enough for what you need right now? Are yeah. you okay? But the thing is, is like, it just depends where you were and where you are now, you know? Like, like even if I, let's say, let's pretend I won $5 million. And then I went to the store and they were they wanted like $50 for a prime rib. I'd still be like, that's, why Why is it so expensive? Like, you know, someone say, we got, is that expensive for a prime rib? Like, what restaurant are you going to? I'm talking about going to the store. Oh, to the store? Why yeah. are you going to the store? I'm just You're a millionaire. <laughs> why are you... Why are you but that's the doing? thing. I would still be like cooking at home and stuff like that because because why? Because I, I want to save money. Yeah, save money for what? But I'm not cheap. It's just that that's how I grew up, right? You can't like change yourself in an instant. Okay, so you're still gonna be the same person and think of it's kind of like in um, there's that part in one of the comedians in cars drinking coffee and Jerry Seinfeld is complaining about the co- cost of a car wash they're driving past and the guest is like, you know, why why are you complaining? Like it's it's ten dollars, like that's, or fifteen dollars. That's nothing to you, or whatever. But, mm-hmm. but to Jerry Seinfeld, he's still a person who grew up, and it yeah. was it was a hardship to pay fifteen dollars. Still for locked car. into. Yeah, you're still yeah. locked into into that. Uh, speaking of uh, Bill Maher and whatnot, yeah, I was watching a clip of um, Jim Carrey talking mm. about Canadian medicine and okay. uh, and, uh, Ooh, and going boy. off about like how you know when when he was a kid, you know, uh, you could always go see a doctor. His, mm. mo- his his mom never paid for a prescription because of you know she yeah. was making so little money yeah and all this kind of stuff and it was like yeah you know e- even though you are a millionaire a millionaire now yeah the things that really hit you deep are the things that happened to you when you were younger those mm-hmm. are the things tattooed on you <laughs> yeah and yeah. so you will defend with vigor the things that you were passionate about then yeah and yeah. it's just like yeah socialized medicine was here for us then so no we're gonna <laughs> just go and add and uh, yeah, same Fair. thing with like Seinfeld's. Like, yeah. used to be a broke comedian. Mm. So, like, seeing someone, you know, with like uh, jacking up the price of coffee, n- no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very upsetting. Because he, and I mean, like, you know, so if you think of John Cleese, like, yeah, he's got millions of dollars or whatever. And then he's paying, you know, suddenly, his, but his alimony is like $2 million. That's $2 million. Yeah. That's a lot of money. So you're thinking, oh, I'm paying a lot of money. You're not thinking, oh, I have a lot of money. You're just thinking, man, I'm paying a lot of money. Yeah. 
for this divorce. But you want to then uh, you want to then go to his house and just go. Let's look around your house. Let's <laughs> well, see. I want to see how you're suffering. Are sure, you okay? Sure. Am I seeing nothing but like half uh, open cans of beans <laughs> and you've been cooking off uh, over a little sterno thing? Yeah. So it looks like um, Connie Booth didn't do uh, a lot of writing afterwards, but mm-hmm. she did do acting. She mm-hmm. was in a lot of stuff. Oh, good. And then uh, she retired from acting in '95 uh, okay. and became a psychotherapist. Wow. Yeah. So she uh, she she worked as that. She so uh, did therapy for motorcycles. Is that what you said? A psychotherapist? Yeah, that's right. That's what okay. a psychotherapist is. That's right. <laughs> a psychotherapist. Yeah, and a psychopath is what they drive along <laughs> on the psychopath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if they if they do it with other people, yeah, that's a social path. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> social path. Social path. That's right. I like it's it. a little different. Yeah. <laughs> that's impressive i like when people change jobs like that i was someone was telling me oh his i was hearing about uh someone's doctor at work yesterday and he was saying that his doctor was once a rocket scientist basically he worked as an engineer in manitoba Please doing say they became a brain surgeon he did not okay <laughs> he did not but he became a doctor oh nice like he got tired of doing that. he felt like i guess he felt like there was wasn't much future like doing missile techno like missile air, like aeronautics for missile guidance systems and stuff like that when Gorbachev and and Ronald Reagan kind of came to perestroika and all that stuff and so he was like uh, maybe I should change my my job so he went back to university and became a doctor nice which is pretty impressive like to change kind of change horses in midstream which people say you shouldn't do but he did he's all right. It depends, you know, if you've got a lame horse there in the house. <laughs> yes, if your horse is no good. And there's a strong horse that's over there, get on that horse. My uh, a, a friend of uh, mine, she um, was a singer and uh, would do odd jobs and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, she, yeah, she became a lawyer, like, in her late 30s. Hmm. And now she's a family uh, family lawyer. Good, good for her. And she really enjoys it. Yeah. Yeah, just a nice challenge and, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, that's that's pretty cool. It's it's weird thinking like, oh, you can do that. You would become <laughs> this person like later on in life. You don't have that youthful, yeah, sponge brain absorption absorption thing that you, you do uh, back then. But you do have a much more mature perspective. I was going to say, yeah, and you're there other... <laughs> for your own yeah. reasons and not because yeah. you don't want to make your parents mad. Mm-hmm. So you know that's good. Yeah, I mean, school is basically is more not based so much on how intelligent you are, but how organized you are. Mm. That's more way, way more important, like how much how organized you are, and like how you can approach timetabling your life and scheduling. What would when you say is done. the difference? Because I never went to university. What would you say is the difference between university and college? Between university and college, yeah, I don't think there's a big difference between the two, besides cost and and I suppose in terms of facilities, you get more at university, right? You know, like but the amount of work you have to put in is it's not a, it's, it's the same. It's the same, yeah. Okay, yeah, for sure, but. Yeah, I think the university, you just pay more to go to university because you just get more, you get a more respectable, like at that time, you get a, like, you know, you get a doctorate from a place that has some, clout, you know, has some clout to it. You know, so like, oh, you went there. No one's going to say that when you get, show your Quantlin thing. Well, okay. But yeah, I think in terms of like teachers and things, I don't think there was that much difference between what I experienced in doing first and second year university at college than what I did when I went on to university. Was there a different vibe to it, or was it the same kind of attitude people had towards? Well, there was a different vibe for sure because where I went was a very small school, like a very small college. Like it was basically a bunch of portables pushed together in a parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like the most glamorous place you'll ever go to in your life. Whereas when I went to UBC, here you're going to this place that was built at the turn of the 20th century. 
you know, and it's full of like all these big giant buildings with, you know, stone stonework and stuff like that. I guess and, I always picture a university as, you know, because I, again, didn't go. Yeah. Uh, paper chase. I'm just picturing a lot of people in sweaters mm. walking around, <laughs> you know, with pipes. Well, this is, and, this is uh, Vancouver, so there's less sweater. I mean, I guess in the wintertime there's flute sweaters. Flute music's playing in the background. Yeah, a lot of flutes. Yeah, a lot of people playing flutes. So that's <laughs> a big, big part of the scene there. Just for atmosphere. You can't see them. They're in the bushes. You definitely feel way way less connected to to what's happening, though, and it's very easy. That's what I mean when when I say you have to be organized and have like a good sense of like dis- self discipline for university because there's no one making you go, mm. and no one cares if you go or don't go because you're paying. Okay, you're paying to don't go. They don't, they don't yeah. care. What I would do, what I would do though, is I would go to the cafeteria. Mm. Like I would go to whatever the. Would sub- you go to the bowling alley? Oh God. That was so good. Uh, yes, I would go to the bowling alley. I would go to the video game yeah. like arcade yeah. that's there that's connected to the bowling. Sure. You know what? I never bowled. I didn't have the nerve to bowl. I felt like I don't go here. Someone's going to ask me for ID, and <laughs> but I can play the video games. They just want your money. They do want they do want your money. But yeah. I, I what I would do is I would go to the university and I would go in kind of the loungy areas and I would go to the cafeteria and I would just work on my own stuff there because mm. I went like this is a good vibe. There's a yeah. good energy here of everyone's working and so i would like that that was something that i used to do all the time was like i would try to find like places with good like vibes of like people doing work like set like really concentrating on work and yeah like, yeah this is good so i'd go to the libraries or what have you and try to go to an area where like there's people who are really not the people you know who are there <laughs> not that group crowd but like people actually like working working yeah i still do that to a degree you know, it's nice being at like the the library and uh, you know uh, doing some writing, and I'm around a whole bunch of. It feels like students or people that are really mm. trying to do some research or whatnot. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a good energy to tap into. Yeah, I think one problem I had with university, I, I don't know if I've made this clear in the show enough, but like I, you know, I wasn't like a huge fan of like academics as a as a kid, but I liked I liked the social part of school and going to university is. It's very not social. I mean, okay. sure, there are social elements to it, but I can never like crack that. Partly because I didn't live, I didn't live there. I had to commute like a really long way. Yeah. So my morning commute was like an hour and a half, and my evening commute was about two and a half hours to get home from school. Would you Would you drive or bus? I bust, yeah. So, so you could read on the bus. So. Yeah, yeah. There's stuff I would study, yeah. like do my homework and stuff. But but there, there you go. You're not, but you're not like meeting any, anyone on the bus either because you're just like in your own little world. And when I was at school, I would just. Between classes, I would just go sit in the what was called the stacks, which was the main library building, and I would just—I really liked the smell of that building because it was just full of books, and they had these big tables in them, and I would just sit at these big tables and I would just do my homework there for an hour, an hour and a half, whatever I was waiting between classes, and then go do my other classes, and then I would get on the bus and I'd go home. But I really didn't meet anyone. Yeah, you know, because for one thing, I was a little older than the kids in the classes I was taking because I went basically started first year again when I went right. to BC back when like. A year yeah. meant a lot. It and does. Two mean years a lot. meant a lot. Sure. And th- I, I, again, I remember being in college, and there was a guy who um, I, I didn't go to university. I went to college, so my story does uh, check out. <laughs> uh, but there was a fellow there who was twenty six, mm, yeah. and we were like nineteen. Yeah, yeah. And it was like he's the oldest man in the world. <laughs> yeah, for like, sure. Like just twenty six. Yeah, but and it's probably... like, well, Gramps, whatever you say. Mm. Yeah. Okay. But he probably like had a had his own apartment. You know what I mean? He had like his life I think was he like he had kids. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. Oh yeah, it's crazy. You're just a full on adult. Yeah, I remember my my uncle going to when he was beginning te- studying to be a teacher. I remember him like he lived in an apartment in Burnaby, 
he worked weekends at Sears in the in yeah. at the car at the car place at Sears doing oil changes and stuff. And he paid for an apartment and to go to university. And it's just crazy to me now that people, yeah. people could do that. But yeah, I guess but that's how it was. But yeah, like um, uh, yeah. And the other problem was I was taking classes where where it seemed like a lot of um, people who were planning to go take like a law or medical stream were taking okay. like Latin. It seemed like everyone there was kind of like, oh, I'm thinking of being a doctor, so I wanted to get some Latin. Like, okay, what are you here for? I don't know. It just sounded fun. Just took it on a whim. Yeah. <laughs> that was my attitude to everything. So, and I was very serious about getting good marks, but I was just was like, I was not, I had no plans, which has made me very nervous. As you can tell from me rubbing my arm as I'm thinking about this. Um, but. Yeah, you're rubbing it raw. I can see, I can <laughs> yeah, see no. bone. And the same with German. Like everyone taking the German class, they're all there because they were all business students who were take, getting the language or whatever. Here's, here's a big question I got then is, uh, do you like learning? Me? Yeah. Oh yeah. I love learning. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. If, if I'm interested in something. Yeah. Because I think that's like the the quality of like, a, I hate the word gifted learner, but I think that's one of the one of the qualities of that sort of way of thinking is that you are, you are sort of an obsessive learner and you love to like learn, like self-guided learning and stuff like that. I, I love to do that still. Like, like that to me, that's just like fun, fun to like do, do language exercises and things like that, you know? Yeah, I think that's going to be backlash. To, like I do, I do as well. I really like learning stuff. One of the things I, I there was a, a very fun part of a of a job of mine was when I worked on Street Sense, a mm. CBC show that was a consumer show. Yeah, uh, a show about being a smart consumer when you're young. Uh, but like almost every week, I had to research something. Back when there was no internet that what you could immediately pull things up so i'd be off at the library be uh checking stuff out like where the gold standard when did that end what, what, who, who was who's part of that gold standard and did they stop it at different times and it, was, it would be interesting and then i'd have to like take that information that i learned take it into a pitch meeting and then sell it <laughs> in a sketch yeah yeah and just go okay so here's what they're doing they're all trapped in a, in a gold shaft uh, and they start discussing the gold standard in the gold shaft. Yeah. And here's because I got to give you a visual that's interesting because it's TV and a comedy element to it is this, but I got to give you real facts as well. And so it, it combined a whole bunch of stuff that I liked at the same time. And yeah. the nice thing was because uh, I had to convey information, there wasn't as much pressure on the comedy element. Hmm. So if it was just straight comedy, it'd just be, oh, got to make this as funny as possible wait it's a it's a hybrid of different things so it took pressure off uh different elements and uh, yeah it was just really really enjoyable and i really like doing research that was mm. uh good fun that's good yeah. that's good i, I yeah. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what there's gonna be a backlash against very oh, shortly sure sure because um something i've Is seen peloton kind of, what's that peloton Is oh it? that was a long time ago oh i'm sorry missed it missed uh yeah, yeah 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 that uh i think that that backlash <laughs> uh, I think I think ironically it's uh, cyclical. Oh, uh, because it's a bicycle. Yeah, uh, it's a good stuff. Anyway, uh, like I say, it's a sociopath. <laughs> social path. Social path. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. That's better. <laughs> now, if I can convey some information about what a a sociopath is at the same time, that'd be uh, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, I've long since forgotten what I was going to talk about. Anyway, moving on. You said something has something has. Uh, oh yeah, backlash. here's what, what's going to be. Yeah. Uh, something that I feel is right now uh, permeating, oh boy, howdy, uh, the culture <laughs> yeah. is uh, praise of curiosity. 
There's been a, a very famous kind of clip on uh, Ted Lasso that's talking okay. about it, the importance of being curious. Yeah. Uh, I just saw a play where yeah. the whole moral was, yeah. make sure you're curious. This sure. is how... Oh, I see what you're getting to here with, with the Peloton thing. <laughs> there <laughs> you are. Bicycle curious. There you are. Oh, I get you. Very nice. <laughs> uh, but be, uh, it's a praise of curiosity, and yeah, I think yeah. because... There's so much information. Well, we're not cats, so we can be perfectly That's comfortable right. with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I went into the old curiosity shop the other day. <laughs> Just the floor was covered in dead cats. I was like, why did they even let them in? It's a terrible old yeah. joke that I had from at least 20 years ago. Thank you for re- reviving it. Yeah. Uh, I've tried drawing it. It's just too disturbing showing all the dead cats on the floor. And then you got to draw a curiosity shop. And that yeah, yeah. thing's just hard to draw. Yeah, yeah. So forget it. Forget it. But sure. anyway. I think I think what's uh, what's soaking into the culture right now because mm. we've got so much information. It's so easy to be uh, ugh, dismissive, yeah, yeah, because uh, it's just you know that there's been praise recently for curiosity, and it's like no, that's a that's that makes you uh, one you more interesting, makes life more interesting, makes you a better person, yeah. But I think so much so that I'm seeing it in pop culture right now. That uh, like everything in pop culture, there's not going to be a backlash okay. against curiosity. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, ugh, this guy's curious. <laughs> being so curious. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with huh. it. Yeah. Next, it'll be the cure for curiosity. But I, I have always been curious about stuff. I mm-hmm. like finding out things. I yeah. like doing this. It was something when I started doing improv uh, and 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 stand up that was good advice I got, which was. You know, uh, be interested in a whole bunch of stuff because mm. the more stuff that you're interested in, the more references you can pull from, and the more uh, references you can pull from, you the stronger your act will be. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Instead of like being the guy in an improv show where it's just like, can we get a suggestion, uh, geothermics. Well, I don't know what that is. Okay, you. It's like, no. <laughs> One, it'd be nice if you knew a little bit about that. Yeah. Or two, do the follow up of like. Explain that to me just a little bit here. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Good. And be interested. And now sure, we're sure. all going to learn something instead of people that just want to do things yeah. about the things they already know. Plus, it's it's always fun when a lot of the jokes are like based on we don't know what this is. Yeah. You know, and all the and all the performers like admitting we're not sure what this is, but we're going to go with it. We're going to. You know, something I, I the geothermics has come off the treadle. Yeah. Something I used to find fun was um, scenes in French mm. because everyone knew a little bit yes, of French. Yes. And then it was like just That's commit right. to it, do as much as you can, mm. and go for it. It's like, but I don't know it, so I don't want to do it because then I'll look stupid. <laughs> well, then it's fine to look stupid. Yeah. It's fine to be stupid, but you won't if, look stupid. If only I could be comfortable with that. Yeah. It's like, uh, but you won't look stupid if you're just like committing to it. Then people will go, "You're being earnest." And you're going to buy a bunch of goodwill and you're going to be fine. I was yeah. like, nah. <laughs> nah. Nah. Nah, screw it. <laughs> Remember there was, one, there was one scene. But that can't be an attitude in, in improv, though, right? Isn't it supposed to be yes and, not... Up until the not point... Not a. Uh, up until you, the point where you get addicted to uh, laughs. And then it's oh. the laughs are more important than any yeah, of the yeah. rules you learned earlier. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Laughs, laughs, uh, yeah. Yeah. Above everything else, I got that makes sense. Laugh super alles. Laugh super alles. Famous, famous expression. Um, it, it makes sense though because it's kind of like being on Facebook or being on whatever, all, wherever you get likes. Where likes are very important because they make us feel good and they give that little burst of serotonin or whatever. I can't I don't know what it puts in our brains, but sure. you know what I mean. Like dopamine, little, serotonin. Sure. The things that makes make us happy feeling. Heroin. Yeah. Heroin or laughter. Those are all things that you know. 
are like ego building and you want more of that so well that's what that's what kills stand-ups more than anything mm. uh heroin no <laughs> um well some yeah some of the better ones sure uh <laughs> not, not lying about that but what uh what what gets One rid of my of all-time them, favorites about. Uh, stops them cold is the um uh addiction to uh laughter which mm. you think like no that's a good thing no it's not no, yeah. because you've got to suck yeah you've got to be okay with like going up there and you know the uh, seinfeld or chris rock or or whoever you like as who's a good stand-up yeah they get comfortable with discomfort and they get comfortable with silences and they get comfortable mm. with doing material and it not working and then they learn from it and yeah. and build on it but other stand-ups will go i've got to every show is important i've got to do i've got to kill every time mm. And they get uh, addicted to that. And so they just do the same act forever and then slowly, you know, uh, lose relevance. And they're like, wait, I'm doing the same stuff I always did. What's changed? <laughs> You've answered your own question in the question. So, yeah. Interesting. Same, yes. with, the same with improvisers who mm. just want to do the same scenes over and over again. We got to end with moving bodies. We got to end with an endowment scene because we need the laughter at the end. Yeah. Oh, what happens if you don't get the laughter? Well, we'd then be working on new scenes and they'd be silent for a while. And then what would happen? We'd end up with a new scene that would be good and fresh. <laughs> but, well, but in the meantime, we might not get laughter. Like, and we've got to every night. Why? <laughs> Do you think you're going to kill improv forever by eating it for a little while while you develop new material? Yeah. Mm, we're going to end with moving bodies. Okay. <laughs> Great. So you go see a show, you know, and it's not, nothing changes in 30 years. I, I can, I was going to say, I was going to say, I compete against, I don't compete, but a friend and I, we both play Wordle every day at work. Okay. And it's interesting. He has, uh, a different education than I, and he has less of a vocabulary than I do. And so a lot of times he'll just throw in words that I don't even know where they came from. But it's, what I enjoy about it is I'll see this word and I'll be like, this word is accepted? So then I'll look it up. I'm like, oh, what does this mean? Like the other day was amide. Yeah. I'm like, what is amide? Okay. Oh, it's a chemist, chem, bit of a chemistry term for a, some kind of a, you know, combination of things. Yeah. It's, it's an amide. You know? I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, like, so even though it, well, sometimes drive me crazy when it takes a word, you know, and you're, I'm like, trine? Oh, can I look it up? <laughs> I think that's a, that's a team of three, right? Because... No, it's not. I can't remember what it is now. Oh, because there's a video game called Trine. T-R-I-N-E? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Hmm. And it's three it's three characters who have distinct uh, different okay. power well, sets. Okay, maybe, maybe it is. I, I can't remember now what it is. That's becoming his start word, though. Just because he knows that it irks me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun. It's just funny because, yeah, he'll put in like, he'll put in a lot of words. So it'll, get, it'll be like, nope, not a word. Oh, nope, not a word. And then you'll get one and be like, okay, that's accepted. But he gets. And they don't, co it doesn't cost you anything. No, no. And it's a way for him to, to solve it. Whereas I'm like, you know, oh, I need a word in here. Elegy? I'll try that. You know, whatever, like whatever five words, five other words I can think of. It's a, it's a group of three. Oh, it is a group of three. Okay. Yeah. A triad. Same so triad. Okay. Yeah. Same for the, yeah. It's just, yeah. I just never heard it in my life before he used it <laughs> in Wordle. Because <laughs> we would have said a triad or, you know, a trio or something. I guess I'm also so afraid of, you know, dementia that like anything that comes along that's like, uh, you could learn more stuff now. Okay. <laughs> let's keep the brain working. Let's yeah. keep doing uh, brain push ups. Sure. You know, it's a good idea. Get really tired. Then nothing, nothing bad will happen. <laughs> People people say uh, people say you know do crossword puzzles and I'm like yeah but once you've learned a lot of tricks of crossword puzzles yeah. then crossword puzzles 
are just you know you you, you get it you get the yeah, vibe yeah. you got to mix it up and like you know it's i mean again i'm not a big uh gym goer but as you have said and other people have said <laughs> you've got to mix up the exercises that you do yeah. and i think you got to do that mentally as well sure i like doing crossword puzzles but i only like the last two of the week so I don't do any of the... I like the first two of the week because they're easier than I get to do. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know a lot of the, uh, not slang terms, but the uh, crossword puzzle terms. Okay. You know. Like the, the obvious things? Like no, the obvious names that come up like, all the time? It's or? like where it goes, you know, you know, whatever the shortened version of this, you know, mm. ATZ, you know, colon, you know, something. I'm like, what's that? Well, you know, in crossword puzzles, it means this. Like, I don't know what any of this stuff means. And uh, and I got so emotionally scarred once trying to do a cryptic crossword in oh front my God, of yeah. a girlfriend of mine who thought I was stupid. That uh, And she brought her sister over to, like, laugh at me as well. Which, you know, possibly could have developed into a wonderful fetish. Um, but watch me do a crossword puzzle. I'm so dumb. Um, but instead it just broke me from doing crossword puzzles oh, dear, and playing so... cribbage. I remember doing um, cryptic crosswords with a friend. And the funny part to me was that we had the answers. And we couldn't figure out how they got the answer from, like, the clue. Like, we were like, so the clue is this. I remember one my teacher... I mean, I thought I was smart as a, as a high school kid, obviously, because I was a big head. But I remember that my great, my English lit teacher came into class one night and he's like, and he told us this clue from, it's like a five letter word, Spanish mover of parts. And I'm like, oh, I got to prove I'm smart. I got to come up with the answer. And of course, I was just helpless. And this uh, girl in the class goes, elbow? He's like, yes. I was like, oh, darn it. I'm dumb. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel that way about Crypt Crossroads. I just don't, I just, my, my mind does not work. Because really, like New York Times, which, you know, they're tricky crossword puzzles, but there are a lot of like easy, repeat, repeat, repeatable clues that you'll get. And you'll be like, you know, baseball great Mel. You're like, oh, ought, you know, here he is again, O-T-T. It's in every, almost every crossword you'll do. Oh, for Ernie. Oh, Ernie L's. Yeah, E-L-S. Yeah, oh, that's, you memorize. Yeah, this. There's a, the latest issue of The New Yorker is a uh, comics and puzzles one. Okay. And P and I are in, in it as one of our cartoons okay, is in cool. there. Uh, and that's all I want to say. Just want to brag about that. <laughs> the end. Um, but they've, Thank you for that. They've got some New York Times puzzles that are in there. Okay. Oh, boy. And, you know, anytime <laughs> you get like any of them, you're just like, I'm a genius. Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting, like about halfway through it, they just go, hey, wanting to throw this magazine out a window at this point? Here's some cartoons for you. It's like, oh, just some jokes. Thank you. Thank you. And they, they realize, yeah. look. A brain break. Yeah. You need, to, you need to just relax and enjoy it. Here's some laughter. It's okay. Everything's fine. Uh, well, I don't think. So hard, those puzzles. I don't think that we're dumber than like past generations. I think just our references have changed because I did have like a New York Times collection and it was had 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 crossword puzzles from like the 1940s and those were like so hard because their references are you know their current references are are clear to them but now like there it's the things like you know in like you know submarine port in brussels or something like that you know or in, in belgium and you're like i guess at the time everyone was like oh that's such and such everyone knows that but now like it's what i don't know yeah, lost like, to history how would you know you know, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting. Just like in like a hundred years, I want to look back at ours and be like, you know, befuddled by Instagram references and crossword puzzles and things, you know, like, wh what is this? So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I it was actually, it's funny. I did a crossword puzzle. It, I, 
I thought that the New York Times crossword puzzle had left the sun, but they just moved them from where they used to be. And so I, I, oh, I found them the other a little while ago, and I was like, oh, they're here. Because I was thinking about canceling my subscription, because that's basically what I get the Saturday crossword or Saturday sun for the paper. And so um, I was doing one, and I was just like, it was a Friday one, so I just like went bloop through it like so fast, and I was just like, well, this is a really disappointing. Crossword was so easy. Then I flipped it over and I was like, oh, it's, this is the Saturday ones on this side. <laughs> I didn't realize they, I guess actually it was probably the Monday one now that I think about it. That was so okay, easy. Okay, then, yeah. It was so, so easy because they don't publish the Monday paper anymore. What? Yeah, the province of the sun don't publish on Mondays any longer. Tell me why. I guess there's none. I guess tell you why. Because they, they, they don't like Mondays. They don't like Mondays. That's true. They're like, they, they, they finally listened to Garfield and decided to stop publishing on Mondays. Um, oh, you lose all the Garfield Monday uh, mm. jokes. Oh, brutal. Yeah. Sad. Well, I don't... Oh, well, Garfield is still in the uh, province. But yeah, they changed... They've fucked up those papers so fucking badly that I... This would... If I wasn't like such a creature of habit that likes to like page through the newspaper while I'm having my cereal in the morning, I would I would like cancel my subscription. They like changed all the comics in the province. Mm-hmm. They basically merged them with the sun. So now they're like practically the same. There's like huge overlap between really? the two papers. Yeah. And then they co- put color in the yeah. province ones, which is garbage. Boo. Yeah. Like, everything looks awful. Like, yeah. oh, please go back to just line work. Um, they got rid of many of my favorite strips in the province. They got rid of the jumble. The jumble's gone. Oh. Yeah. That's what I said. Don't like that. That's a reason to say. I'm sure a lot of people canceled their subscription. When did they stop publishing on Monday? They cut their own throat. And, and then, then when s- people ask, like, why did you cancel it? You make it into a jumble. I'm like I'll tell you, I'll tell you because tell you, you uh, ducking sinks <laughs> fucking sucks. Fucking sucks is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. No, okay. it's. Uh... <laughs> sorry, I just was looking up jumble. Yeah, and when you get to the jumble page, it says "Welcome to the jumble." They got fun and games. <laughs> That's good. I like it. Very nice. Yeah, it's um, like that was part of like a morning ritual was to do the jumble, read the comics. You know, and I had my favorites. I mean, a lot of the ones I like are still there. But I, you know, like one, so the way the province has it set up is it's three tiers of comics. Right. So one page, there's a good, like, there's a good average of maybe seven comics strips that are good there. On the other page, all garbage. Like, not a (laughs) single good strip in there. Seriously. Nothing good. All terrible. Then they have two, like, they have two um, panel ones. Fucking garbage. (laughs) Like so bad, so not even funny. Like not not that not even funny, so insultingly not funny that it's like offensive to read them. And I don't mean like mm. offensive like in their thoughts or what they say. It's just offensive because it's so bad that there's like no reason for it to exist. Like there should that person should have like applied and then like been kindly like led I don't know off a dock into the water. I don't know. Like you wonder what ones they say no to. Oh well. I mean, there are so many. Oh, it's just, it's so, it's just depressing to me to like the whole mess is a depressing thing. Like, the That's fact- why I think everyone should just go to gocomics.com <laughs> and uh, just yeah. check out. You know, yeah. uh, it doesn't even have to be a daily strip you look at. It could be mm. one that publishes. I don't know, three times a week, <laughs> like a mannequin on the moon, something sure, like that. Go sure. check that out. Yeah. Well, I mean, man, if mannequin on the moon was in the province, that would be like so good. Because I throw my local? hands up and just go. Ah, it's we're local. Trying. It's local. We're trying. It's funny, unlike the... Uh, seriously, the ones that are there, I don't even read them anymore. We tr- like we, I, we try to be funny. <laughs> no, no, you would succeed. Like, it would be way, way better. Like, oh my God, those... Just, I don't even know. Like it, I mean, 
I'm not, and I'm not being like judgmental. I mean, I mean, I am being judgmental, but my judgment is correct. It's not, it's not good. Okay. So, uh, okay. What, oh, you, what the? Okay. Okay. All right. What are so, you doing? Looking at the problem? I was looking or? up, uh, what? Okay. Yeah. I was looking up the jumble of the day. Oh, okay. Okay. And it's like, uh, all right. And it's an encyclopedia salesman joke. Okay. Which I think like you should be able to get. <laughs> oh yeah. Just cause of, I, I know. Cause you've worked as an encyclopedia salesman. I don't know if it's today's my day. So it's one person uh, has like some encyclopedias in there, bringing them up to to someone, saying, yeah. "I can't believe how well these are selling." Mm-hmm. And then the person who is there with a lot of papers in front of them says, "Yeah, uh, people seek knowledge. We need to expand our content and add employees." Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so then the caption reads, "Yeah, they were selling lots of encyclopedias mm-hmm. and expanding their business, which blank." Yeah. And then. Uh, it looks like the first uh, one is like five letters, and the second one is seven letters. Okay, which? Yeah. Seven letters? They were letters? selling lots of encyclopedias. Is volumes expen- in there, do you think? Oh, yeah, something volumes, <laughs> which speaks volumes. So speaks I think, volumes. I think, oh, wait a second, speaks volumes? No, something no, volumes. No, six, that's six letters. Volumes. So. Yeah, for sure, volumes. <laughs> All right, they were selling lots of encyclopedias and expanding their business, which takes volumes, makes volumes, speaks volumes. It's volumes, though. You're absolutely correct. Well, what, what, are the, be... what are the words that we have there? Like, oh, or what are the you to, choices there? Is there like a V in one of the words? Yes. The first, the first word that you have to unscramble is V-N-Y-E-O. V-E. V-N. Oh, sorry. Y-E-O. Envo- envoy. Envoy, yeah. Envoy, okay. okay. So is, so v, getting, is v in the circle? E, uh, you're getting a V yeah. and you're getting an O. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're getting vol. Yeah, we're getting volume Almost out vol- of that volume one. there. Okay. <laughs> Then we're doing. Uh, uh, all right, let, let's just let's just write that down. Okay, here we go. <laughs> we're gonna do one of these. Okay, uh, so P L E S L sleep. No, no, it's not spell. It's fine. G A U T E O. It's hard for me to do this because I can't. I, know. I can't see them. I know. G A U T E O. G A U T E O. I'm gonna do the next one just because I can get it. I got it. Yeah. Okay. K uh, U-A-N-S-M. K-U-A-N-S-M. I'm going to say that's unmask. Okay. Uh, G-A-U-T-E-O. It already is a word. Gato. Um, <laughs> G-A-U. G- Do you want a pen? Yeah. All right. There's a pen. Thanks. It's hard. It's hard when you can. So there's yeah. a piece of paper if you want. You got a piece I'll of paper. I'll just use this. Okay. G-A-U. Do it at home, everybody. G-A-U-T-E-O. Outage. One second. Nice. Does that make sense? Yep. So what do we what do we got now for letters? We've got E V O S P L O U E M S K. Let us which speaks speaks volumes then. It wouldn't be speaks because it's uh Oh and there's okay five letters, yeah. But you said there's a K, right? Uh yeah. Spoke volumes. Spokes volume, yeah, spoke volumes. Thank you. <laughs> Success. We have solved the puzzle. Well done, everybody. And our brains go on to live another day. Yeah, it's funny how, um, like when I when I do the when I did the jumble, I would just I wouldn't write it down. I would just do it in my head, and then I would figure out the. This seemed faster to do as it that a way. Uh, as as a small child. Yes. Uh, let's say I'm, even now today as a small child. Let's say I'm like eight. I believe this is my eight, nine years okay. old. Okay. Uh, I used to watch Definition. Ah, uh, yes. And that was one where you picked letters. It was like a game of Hangman. Okay. Uh, with a celebrity that you went, I don't know that person. It was like, because it's a Canadian <laughs> celebrity. Uh, and it would be a joke answer. 
And so as a kid, mm. I could get them because sure. they were jokes yeah, and I yeah. understood jokes. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it would, it would frustrate uh, my parents because <laughs> I'd get it right off the top. Just like, yeah. oh, well, that's got to be this. Mm. There you go. Yeah, Whereas my dad could do the Sunday crossword puzzle. Yeah, yeah. But he couldn't do a, you know, a joke thing. And yeah. his like eight-year-old child is like, well, father, <laughs> I believe that joke would have to be. Yeah, that's what's funny. Social path. <laughs> That's what's uh, fun about Jumble is it basically is that it's you know like you know often you can just solve it without even oh I do that was yeah, yeah. always that was always the challenge but we were close we just didn't get the uh, tense right there but that's that's okay and that made us <laughs> so tense yeah it was all yeah since it's a joke we're uh, we're, we're fine Oops. yeah apparently it's America's favorite word game really because crossword puzzles don't exist in America now <laughs> it's a no way America's favorite word game. Are we not counting Wheel of Fortune? Is that not a word game? <laughs> I think Hangman has something more people. On YouTube. More people play uh, Jumble than probably do the crossword. Do you think so? I would think so. Yeah, <laughs> I think crosswords are seen as kind of hoity-toity. Okay. Whereas Jumble is for the common man. What was it? Uh, my grandfather used to uh, again. He would do the crossword in like a second. Yeah. And then he'd do uh, <laughs> Wonder Word. That was his. his oh, word a word, word search basically. Yeah, like a word search thing. Yeah. He was into that. My my father in law uh, did a lot of Wonder Word. That was his thing. I'm just gonna. We're not gonna do this one in full, but let's see if you can guess what it is. Okay. Okay. So it's a woman who is uh, uh, making pillows. Okay. And another woman is holding a pillow. Okay. Okay. Sure. And the woman who is making the pillows yeah. says, "I've sourced some of the best feathers in the world." Okay. The other one says, "It feels wonderful." I can't wait to use it. Yeah. The caption reads, after using the highest quality feathers to make the pillows, yeah. they were, and uh, there we go. Uh, let's get out of here. Get they out were here. what? This is good. This that's, is, that's it. Just they were. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's uh, eight letters. Oh, here we go. Uh, after using the, the highest quality feathers to make the pillows, yeah. they were, and sorry, the first, uh, the first word is nine letters the second word is a uh, seven letters oh so it's two two things yeah, two. Oh, okay after using the highest quality feathers to make their pillows they were say sleeping pretty feeling stuffed no feeling stuffed i wanted to say down i thought down, yeah, down would i thought be down like, would be in there too but uh, it's down to enough. fuck no that's not it uh they were after using the highest quality feathers yeah to make the pillows yes they were so what's the first one it's seven letters no, the first one is nine letters. Oh, nine letters. The pillow would be fluff bedding. I can think of, of stuffed or stuffing, but yeah, stuff. Yes, something cushioned. Stuffing, fluff. They were. These are excellent things, and we we, we <laughs> we're not going to get this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. We'll figure it out later on. Well, yes, everyone will will do that one on our own time. Yeah, and you can too by going to Jumble. Welcome to the Jumble. <laughs> anyway. This is what we do on this podcast. We uh, do, waste, waste our we time? do puzzles verbally. <laughs> we waste your time. That's what yeah. we do on this podcast. Hey, you know what? I was over at uh, my close personal friend David Ems the other day. He's been a guest on the show. He has been he a guest. He sang on times. the show. Many He's times. written songs for us. Yes, he has. Uh, so I was there and he was showing me an old appearance by No Fun, his band No Fun, on Complaint Department on Rogers Cable. Oh, what era was this? This was like 1988 or so. Okay. Who so, was the host? I don't... Was it me? J Jerry? I think his name was Jerry. There's a guy and a, a, a man and a woman. Okay. All right. The woman had dark hair. Yeah. And both of them seemed about as thrilled to be there as if... 
Yeah. They were, they were serving a sentence for something. Yeah, there's They're one community ep- hours. There's one episode of of Complaint Department that's on YouTube and it's those two. Okay, so But the, I don't think it's uh, he's slightly he's kind of balding. Yes. Rather, rather bad mustache. Yes. And then she's kind of feathered dark hair. Yes. Looks kind of matronly. And you're just like, and they're the most like they they undersell it. Yeah, and it's a I lot of hearing it. the complaints and then going, yeah, that's uh, that's something. <laughs> that's basically it. Yeah. So uh, on the show, I guess they had a another person who was doing uh, what they called this. They called it streeters, but she was outside of the Rogers building by the foot of Bird Street Bridge, which is not a not a place where people like do much in the way of walking, especially in those days. Yeah. Like, essentially, that was, like, an industrial area. There was a brewery across the street. And all around it are, like, you know, car repair shops yeah. and stuff like that. That was directly days. outside of the studio. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's out there. Go to, And you could go to the Eternal Flame, which uh, was always out. <laughs> <laughs> as long as this flame burns, we will have freedom and peace. It's, it's out. <laughs> Get him! <laughs> oh, no. Oh, smack, smack, crack, bump. <laughs> um, yeah, so... It was kind of so yeah. They played a couple songs and uh, and uh, did a hands up. I'm homeless. The like, which I think is a Christmas sketch. But uh, oh, okay. So I don't know if this was around Christmas time. I don't really know what was happening. But anyway, you had no follow up questions for David. I didn't know. Apparently, I didn't have the right ones. It was more I just experienced it. But yeah, it was just kind of. I was more like kind of because I was, I was saying I was saying oh that's kind of interesting because Ian did this show like. But I guess you were doing it in the early nineties. Yeah. And this is yeah, like the we, late 80s. Uh, I, again, and I'm trying to remember the order that it happened in. Listen, I hope you brought a little more energy to the show than these two people who felt like... We, they felt like, we did. Okay. They, we did. They were like black holes of energy. I think the, the whole... Uh, again, we're, I'm going to send you a clip of, uh, of them so you can uh, see them again. I know you want to <laughs> see them one more time. Oh, uh, yeah. They were, I'm, look, great. hey, it was, it was local cable. Oh, yeah. So it's a lot of... Hey everybody! Uh, you like music? Because we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna put an album cover up here, yeah. and I'm gonna play the record behind the album cover now. Uh, enjoy. It was yeah. It was a very different uh, time. Yeah. of Low key cable, and I'm sure there's some people that liked the lower key version. Yeah, yeah. Instead of us it's trying very, to make jokes, it's very ASMR. Out of yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did it with. Uh, First called uh, Laura Janishevsky. She well, well I remember Laura sure the... doing like streeters, but actual streeters. Like she was out in like yeah in downtown Vancouver. Yeah, yeah, we did t- we actually talking to people. Yeah, I had confidence then. And I, remember... I was able to talk to people. <laughs> and I remember her uh, talking to a couple like this this couple of people that probably from Surrey of that day and and not the smartest people you'll ever talk to on the road, I guess. And they walked away, and Laura turned to the camera and said, "I wouldn't want to swim in that gene pool." <laughs> Great comment. Just something like that, which seems like way better than what they're doing in this show, like only like five years before or whatever it was, where it's so low key. You're right. Like the lady who was outside, I guess to keep warm, was, did have a little bit of excitement. <laughs> but the people indoors who were warm. Well, here's, here's and then the what show it, was introduced by this guy. Okay. Who was like, he's kind of like Martin Short's skinnier brother. Remember, like he was. Mike Short? It wasn't Mike Short. No, okay. no. <laughs> Martin Short did have a skinnier yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. And he's kind of like kind of leaning against a desk and going well welcome to complaints department uh this episode is blah 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 we're bringing it to you and please don't call please don't think you're funny and call in with swear words and, <laughs> you know just something like that like but he's very once again very low-key and then again then they had 
overly long credits <laughs> way too long it's called complaints department we get it like we don't need like two minutes of music but anyway i guess we did so we get that and then it goes to the host you know and he's you know hi there i'm jerry blah 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 and i'm here and this is uh bev uh, whatever whatever you know her name with karen so and so uh hi karen how you doing oh i'm pretty good um yeah i'm doing all right so i guess we should maybe do some Go to some complaint. You know, oh my gosh, like, please, come on, guys. Maybe it's that thing that you don't realize you think you sound exciting because you've never seen yourself talking on like that before. Except they were regulars and were doing it. <laughs> I assume part of this is I assume they're both really shy and just never wanted to see themselves. So they never actually well, had any. I, I would assume notes. the origin story for most of the hosts was, and again, I'm not, I'm not uh, judging anyway. Um, <laughs> we can judge. Eh, it's okay. Uh, but I think what, what it was, like, the point of doing uh, local cable is yeah. you learn how to work television equipment. Yeah. For free. Sure, sure. Uh, so come down and volunteer and yeah. you're going to learn how to work editing and cameras and whatever. Yeah. And that's the point. And then they're like, we need someone to host. Hey, uh, you, guy who's working <laughs> over there. Me? Yeah. Just get in front of the camera. I don't want to. You know, you do it. Okay, but I don't want to host. I know you don't. You came here because you want to know how to hook up coaxial cables. But that's not, <laughs> we're going to put you on camera. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm trying to, and I don't want to be here. Yeah. And so no one's there because they want to host a show. Yeah. They're there because they're trying to learn other shit and being on camera. Yeah. They were there in the room at the time when we needed a host. The end. That's why they're there. The end. They were the they were the most social yeah. of an unsocial crowd. <laughs> they will do it. And the and other then, thing the show end. I don't know if it did it end this way when you did it with the the camera crew and everyone introducing themselves at the end of the show. No, <laughs> that's also very weird. Yeah, not at all. So the show ends. Why would with that? Happen? All these people going on going. Hi, I'm Mike. I run the camera. Hi, I'm so and so. I man the phones. Hi, I'm such and such. I'm the production assistant or whatever. And everyone, and then they would like kind of back away but you can see like everyone's sort of piling up because they're still standing around yeah off camera so everyone starts coming up and they're like they're like it's getting harder and harder for them to get to the mic to actually introduce themselves <laughs> and, and then the end of the show is like everyone like kind of standing up or laying on sitting on the ground with with the producer guy who introduced the show standing amongst them and going you know good night everybody <laughs> goodbye or whatever they did and then and then the show ended i guess you know it goes with the co-op idea yeah of yeah. you know it's uh it's communism is what i think it is. <laughs> yeah. uh i mean we would we would like talk to the crew and we'd mm-hmm. utilize the crew as much as possible yeah and know knew everyone's names uh, how i th- i'm trying to remember how we got on board with this but i think what happened was we we were we came on board Okay, because you did a couple of cable shows uh, with us. You did like the p- a political show. Yep. Uh, and was that the only one that you did? That's the only one I did for, for Okay, Rogers, so you did yeah. the political show. There was there were some situations where like they wanted to do... I wasn't asked back. <laughs> I think I was asked back once for something else. But uh, also, you don't go because you're asked. You just go because you're there. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it was that we had done a, a, a sketch comedy thing mm. on there. And so we got to know people there. Okay. And so, you know, we went like, hey, you know, if you ever need any uh, ho- uh, hosts for anything, let us know. And it was me and Laura yeah. volunteer for that. And they yeah. were like, well, yeah, I think the, the people who are hosting complaint department want to leave. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, we'll do, we'll do that. 
And so, and I've got no idea how long we hosted. We hosted long enough that I would get recognized on the street on a pretty regular basis. Oh, wow. And, uh, and then I wanted to do other stuff, so I left. And then she stayed on. But And here's the weird bit. It's like she she did it with, I think, actually, you know what? You know, let me, let me do it this way. This was the truth. She did it with another person. <laughs> yeah. And then that person left. And yeah. then I ended up coming on. Okay. And then. It's a good team. And then, yeah, and then when she left, I handed it over to uh, David Russell. Okay. Uh, who was director. And, and then he he got another partner on that show. Mm-hmm. And then they hosted it for quite a few years until until the end. Okay. Uh, so I think that's I think that's the way at, that went At what point, Vancouver had no more complaints. Yes. No one who lived in Vancouver or its environs had any complaints about anything so yeah it was we have the, to wrap it up it was an easy peasy show to do it was sure. just people would call up and complain and you'd listen to them <laughs> and if there was a joke to be made you'd make a joke yeah. and uh yeah did they appreciate the jokes you made out of their suffering ah they were off the line oh, okay <laughs> and yeah we That's would do, do we like would that. do streeters and as you say sometimes the yeah. streeters were a little mean yeah because that was the era of the mean yeah, streeter yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It was i laughed and for, that's, what, and, that's what counts. And back then, I had no soul, so I could like talk to anybody and had no fear for some reason. I don't know what happened, uh, but uh, yeah, it was. A, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? There was a weird one where me and another person were carrying Laura around, and we were carrying her sideways, like we were just like having like you know the, it was like a show called A Different Angle, yeah. and like we were just bring bring her in, and she would like interview people while she's like. Kind of being carried on her side like yeah, Cleopatra yeah. almost. <laughs> and and people would be a little put off by that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different angle, though. Yeah. Yeah, what happened to us? How could we, uh, us two ineffectual idiots, like, get to ape and survive there? Like, we actually, like, not to survive, but thrive there. It's so weird. Like, I, I don't think I could do that now. Like, just decide I was going to go somewhere and, like, get a table. Like, the whole thing of it seemed... Seems like insurmountable now. It would be interesting. Like there's there's a little fantasy. And we I did have. this before the internet. Yeah. Like yeah. We went like this is important. We need to go to California. Yeah. How? We have no money. <laughs> well, let's go. We did. We did it. Uh, it it. I just I just think it would be interesting to look at like a photo from then mm. of like everyone that was there mm. and just go. Okay, let's just go through this. <laughs> and uh, and I'm trying to pronounce his name correctly. Uh, Adrian Tomine, I sure. think. Uh, but like he's now like a big New Yorker yeah. cover person and, you know, big shot. one of the most big, big shot. And yeah, he was there. I was yep. doing panels with him. Yeah. And, you know, and like, oh, there's Dave Sim. He was uh, he was the biggest thing in the world back then. And it went a little crazy. Well, he did go a little crazy. But at that time, he, he probably was crazy at that point, but we just didn't realize yeah. it. Oh, who's the guy at the end of our table here? Well, that's Dan Klaus. <laughs> that's Dan Klaus right there. Okay, yeah. all right. Who's at the other, you know, end of the table? It's uh, like, well, there it looks like Moby's walking around and jamming with people on their uh, comics. Okay, over here we've got, and it's just, yeah. yeah the, well, there's uh, Shannon uh, Shannon Wheeler, Shannon Wheeler you know, who was like a uh, you know big shot with his uh, newly uh, created uh, too much coffee man, and it's just like everyone, like you just like go person to person. When we person. say big shots, the, in in a small cup, we were yeah, big, but it was a it was a fun cup to be in. Yeah, that was a crazy time. Fact sheet five and all that stuff. Yeah, it really felt like everything. Yeah, you know, we're at the heart of everything. Yeah, when yeah. it was like really, uh, really beating, and <laughs> yeah, it was just so yeah, wow, 
but we, but we, there's a lot of stuff that's that's weird for me. Uh, you know, now, now I'm going through a lot of like old papers because I'm looking for a contract really, really badly. Okay. Right now. But in doing so, I'll find like all these old things that I did, and just like, huh, I was around when some interesting shit was going down. I was, I was, you know, not necessarily that I was doing like amazing things, but I was amazing things adjacent a lot. I was Forrest Gumping my way <laughs> through the '80s and through the '90s yeah. here, and and yeah, and then I I do forget that like, oh yeah, I hosted a show called Complaint Department for a while, and then some people will bring that up and, and oh yeah, yeah 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 i forgot about that yeah that was a thing <laughs> of course you would yeah yeah yeah. it's weird that you forget about it but i guess it was just something you did once a week you just went down to rogers and man that was uh doing that political th- i have never seen i have not seen it since we did it so that's but i remember um i had i think i had like two sketches or maybe one i had I think i only had one sketch in it in that no you had another sketch okay yeah you had one where i think uh it was a sketch that has you know since been done a million times before uh times before a million times since yeah which is just like you know here's someone who's uh immigrating to canada and here are the questions that you need to know okay about you know canada Mm. and uh you ask the questions you know the questions are the answers are I don't know. And it's like, <laughs> that's right. A Canadian would not know that. And just like, what the hell are you doing? Well, you know, you're getting angry and that's exactly right. You'd be uh, pissed off at the government getting in your business and asking all the, what's with all these questions? Exactly. All right. Please okay. continue. That's a pretty good sketch. Actually. I've seen it. I've seen it since done. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at the time uh, it was I'm original. Sure, I'm sure there's yeah. a version of it on the Ernie Kovacs show in the fifties. <laughs> like well, come on. Sketch. I don't think of that. But yeah, speaking of Ernie Kovacs, because yeah, the other sketch I did was something that was just about like the form of like interviewing and like political interviews on television with with guests and stuff like that. And at the time it was original. Like now, once again, it's been done a million times. But at the time, I'd never seen anyone do the thing where the, Roger played a guy who was like de- delayed by some sort of technical difficulty, so he couldn't respond to the questions, and he's just standing there, list, you know, holding his earpiece to his ear and looking around, confused every time we cut yeah. to him. And then Laura playing like someone very serious for being interviewed at a restaurant or something. And yeah. then me playing a person who's just like a, no, no, no help at all. Like expressing my thoughts through abstract art and a caricature of the host and stuff like that. And so I planned this whole thing and I thought, oh, this is really funny to me anyway. And then uh, the day of like editing all these disparate parts into like a whole, the lady who was doing it had no idea how to run the editing con- yeah. cons. And she's kind of like, well, how about if we just put them all to- <laughs> together and like... And like, you know, just run it one after another. And I'm just like, oh, it's so sad. Because I was just like, well, that's, I guess that's what we have to do. Because it will totally wreck the whole thing. So it's basically about intercutting between all these yeah. different elements. And then luckily, this person came wandering by, just happened to be there at the station. And she like, button, you know, grabs him and basically like, you know, whoever his name is, get in here and you, <laughs> you do this. And so, but this guy was like a whiz. He's like using, you know, his yeah. fingers on both of the wheels and he's like, zip, zip, bah, zip, bah. cause it also worked for Roger too. Cause Roger had written that great uh, parody of like the ballot commercial from the States of like vote for such and such, you know, vote for, they always had a name for them. You know what I mean? Like one of those kind of, what are they called in the States where they have like, uh, they have those little kind of like side, side things you vote for. You know, yeah, and have know Proposition yeah. 24 or whatever. But he had like, you know, because Roger loves double speak, So it was one of the things where like, say no to saying yes to such and that. So the X keeps changing sides. And, <laughs> yes. 
And it was really funny, <laughs> but it only worked once again because that guy was there to put it together. Yeah. Because if it had been this lady oh, who had no idea. At any point, any sketch will just tank because the smallest thing. Will yeah, you need time. It has to be timing and everything. And like, this guy was really, really good at editing. And so, yeah, it brought it all together. And I always remember just how being so happy with how it turned out. Just because it could have been so terrible and humiliating. And instead, it turned out less humiliating. There's a, there's a sketch that we did on 11th Hour that's um, uh, called The Cub. And it was based on the club, which yeah. is the club is the thing you put on your stops you from being wrong. Steering wheel, the yes. idea, yeah. steering wheel. Uh, and uh, and the joke being that instead it's the cub. You yeah. try to remove this thing, and then it's the sound of a baby bear cub, uh, <laughs> and then a mother bear who's in the area yeah. will like maul the thing, yeah. which is all fine and good. So you know we had that, and it all went well. Mm-hmm. But there's one shot of me. The, as the as the guy who's selling it, yeah. And at one point, someone says something off to the side, or there's a, a noise, and you can see me looking off to the side for a second, then back, and no one caught that. Uh. And it's the smallest little thing that's just like, yeah. And it's a distraction at the very end. <laughs> that's just this distraction, and I think yeah. the distraction was probably someone in a giant bear suit who's doing something <laughs> that I could not look at. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, someone just needed to have like seen that and just gone like oh no no we'll use another take because we did do multiple takes yeah 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 ah, but they didn't and so it's this little thing at the end that's just this little thing that yeah. just is a little distraction that just like takes the funniness <sighs> down about 25 <laughs> percent. like god damn it <laughs> just so you know i played for my friend at work uh what's it called space hole yeah space, space hole. hole yeah which he loved oh good because it's so great this is great so whatever i can play it for people i will I, you got to see this I, uh, this is uh, a thing about that. Uh, so later on, I write uh, a different, like a sitcom called Space Hole, which is a parody. Oh, of Space Arm. No, no. I did a... Oh, you uh, did an actual uh, Space Hole. Well, an actual oh, okay. Space Hole. Okay. There was a riff on like uh, Stargate. Oh, yeah. No, I yeah. did do a, a thing called Space Arm as well. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, there was a riff on um, uh, Stargate. Okay. And I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out, but we didn't really do anything with it. Uh, except we did try selling it and it didn't uh, get bought. Yeah. It was all right. All right. It was about the same time they were doing Children's Hospital and other kind of parody sure. shows that were short little shows. And yeah. so I was like, oh, maybe yeah. this will work for that. Nope. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, my friend uh, who we spent time in a car with recently, Eric, uh, said to me, yeah, I'm working on this uh, sitcom. It was like a couple of months ago. And I was like, yeah, it's called Space Hole. And it's a parody of this, that, and that. And I went like, oh, uh, I got a little bad news for you. And it's that, uh, you know, I already tried selling a show. And it's like, oh, but this, you know, it's this, that, and the other. And it's like, you know, we got this name for it. And I think the name's really good. Yeah, that was the name we had. But ours is about this. Yeah, ours was ours was about that as well. Oh, oh. But, oh, oh. And, uh, you know, and, and one of our other cast members in uh, the show Critical Hit Show. Yeah, yeah. You know, I turned to her and went like, remember I cast you in it? And it's like. What? I don't remember that. And I'm like, okay, now I'm getting seriously gaslit here that I didn't do anything. And I described it to her and went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the president of Canada. It's like, that's right. You were the secret president of Canada. And they were like, no one knows that Canada has a president. And the only way they get stuff done is because no one knows they're there. And so that's how they get shit done. We just yeah. pretend there's a prime minister, but that's all bullshit. Yeah. And that's just the pretty face that's out there. And it was like, oh. And I just watched his spirit break. And it felt so bad. <laughs> but yeah, once upon a time, I did a sketch called... Uh, space hole as well that uh i'm really glad you liked yeah it's good we worked hard on that one yeah there's yeah. a lot of little details to it and that's the kind of sketch i like is sketches where there's layers and details and i think uh especially like uh nancy and neil did a really good job oh yeah yeah 
Yeah, the scene where she comes in collecting information for the Christmas newsletter. Christmas newsletter. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's just so good. It's great. And you're really good in it, too. I just love your excited character slowly becoming less and more and more disenchanted with this whole thing. <laughs> it's very good. Because you're also really good in that political one, too. You you were like kind of the anchor to it. And you your facial expressions in that were really, really good. So, yeah, it's funny. We should oh. do more sketches. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do, let's do that. <laughs> Anyway, let's get, get my sketch mind back. It's been a long time since I wrote a sketch, so a long time. I don't have the mind for it anymore. Well, you gotta have, you gotta see something and go like something's wrong, and then I can fix it in a sketch. <laughs> so you think? I don't know if I think look at it that way. I think I look at it like could be a social thing. Could be a yeah. I think I think more like in terms of oh that would be funny if oh that would be funny if this happened, you know, and I would be on the lookout for it because I needed material. So you'd always be thinking about what would be funny if so. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean. Obviously, I write um, uh, gag cartoons. Yeah. And most of the gag cartoons that I, I write are sketches compressed to their, mm. you know, uh, yeah, one yeah. concept. Sure. That hopefully most of them could be expanded out and you could sketch, sketch mm. out of them. But, yeah. Know, so I'm always kind of thinking along the of like, what's something people say that isn't what they mean? What's something? What's a, what's, what's, what's a famous uh, cliche? That would be weird in a different context, like yeah. a more realistic context or something. Or, you know, what, uh, you know, uh, uh, what would animals uh, <laughs> say? If you hear them talk and there's a lot of basic stuff like that. But then and then you throw away the first five ideas that you have and you go with the sixth one. And that's the weird one. And that's uh, the one that usually works. Have you seen the Netflix sketch comedy show? I think it's called I Think You Should Leave Now. Yep. Some. Some of it. Yeah. I like it, but I th- often feel like they're not editing themselves enough mm-hmm. like it goes on too long and then i'm kind of like well i'm really losing interest like well, you guys, didn't you realize that the joke is over are you gonna keep going okay you're gonna keep going all right well the joke is really over now but it can come back again <sighs> it can come back again and then you over like later on later mm-hmm. later later there's a really good one it started off really good it's like this guy driving in a parking lot behind someone else who clearly cannot drive like they're like you know the stopping they're weaving everywhere the person tries to go around them and then they, they weave in front of him and this guy's honking at them and then he finally yells you know don't you know how to drive and then the driver in front turns and goes no i don't know how to drive i have no idea what i'm doing here you know not everyone knows everything which is really great but then it is going on and on and i'm like oh this is too bad because it's such a great start that you really just should be short and like really like quick and just in and out but I guess because they had two cars and they're in a parking lot, they had to make it longer because it's a lot of money we're spending here. I think there's also a thing to sometimes in comedy where you feel you've got to do more because if it's short, it's hackier. Yeah. Because it's just like, we're just doing the joke and we're leaving. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's... Mm, I guess it's hacky. You know, what it... makes it what makes it art? <laughs> what makes it art is we go a little too long. Yeah. We take it in a direction. It doesn't need to be taken in as well. We get a layer <laughs> and it's fine. There's there's one that I really like with Bob Odenkirk's in it. Yeah. And it's... Uh, have you seen that one? The one at the diner? And it's mm, uh, yes. like, yeah, the father lying to the kid and yeah, like yeah. winking over at the guy to help him with the lie. Yeah. And then, yeah, the guy starts making up an even more elaborate story <laughs> that now the father has to be on board with. Yes. Yeah. And an uncomfortable story as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good one. I love the court that has the uh, sound effects organ, like, or whatever keyboard. I maybe haven't seen that one. With, yeah. Just this guy, like, <laughs> playing um, 
Uh, anyway, it's just really silly, but it's fun because it's just goofy. And once, and that one's kind of short; like it doesn't doesn't belabor the thing. Or is it the driving one? I just felt like it was just belaboring. The, well, then I think the there's something you're going to enjoy called TikTok because uh, <laughs> that thing uh, wraps up in ten seconds. Here's the joke, and we're out. Yeah. Here's the thing, and we're gone. Well, that's why I like Vine. Yeah. When Vine was a thing, I really I was, was like a big seven fan. Seven seconds, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like, seven seconds. But it's great. Like you, you could do a lot in that, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just, yeah, it was a real room for people just to, and it's funny, like a lot of those people, you're like, oh, I guess they'll move to YouTube when this, nope, they never, <laughs> they never appeared again, or maybe they just couldn't make it work in the, a different format, you know. I like, there was a guy who would like just be walking on the street and he would narrate what someone was doing. Like they didn't know yes. him. He would just narrate. And it was just, and the people would start laughing, of course, but it, just seven seconds. So you don't have to, it's just there you are in and out, you know. There was the simplest thing uh, that I saw someone, someone do a thing where, you know, they had their uh, the window rolled down. Yeah. And they'd look, look over at a car and they who had the windows rolled up. And they'd be do the motion of like, roll your window oh, down. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And as they, yeah, as it, as it goes down, they roll their windows up. up. And it's the simplest dumb yeah, thing. Yeah. And they would just uh, laugh. But people would laugh. As people that, or at people least they're the just car. showing the people that did laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah. The I people guess. that were like, ah, you jerk. Finger. Yeah. Um, actually, there's a guy named Drew Gooden who's a YouTuber now. But he started in Vines. His, okay. His his. His piece de resistance was him driving along and seeing a sign that said Roadworks. And he just turned it to the camera and went, I should hope so. That's all. I just need seven seconds to make a little dumb joke like that. And <laughs> yep. viral, you know, and everyone's everyone's sharing it and blah, blah, blah. And then Twitter stupidly closing down Vine, which was like, shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, they could have had TikTok. They were TikTok before TikTok. Yep. Nope. But they, they warm things up for TikTok. I guess they do. They're like, I, set the table, and then TikTok sat down. Arm, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> I mean, like, where TikTok was ahead was, TikTok was basically started off as like a karaoke thing. That was basically the idea, that you could put mm-hmm. music with into the video and then right. and then interact with the music. And that's where it started, and then it, people took that and they went, they went their own way. Every day, uh, my wife sends me like about 10 Instagram videos. <laughs> videos, like Sophie. Just quick little Instagram yeah, yeah. videos. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, they're good. I'm addicted to them too. I, yeah. I have so many like and things that I'm interested in. So I have like so many Spanish tutorials, French tutorials, Italian mm-hmm. tutorials that every day I have to go through, you know, like, you know, words for drunkenness, words for this, da, 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 you know, how do you say this in French? How do you say this in Italian? What's the difference between bisogno and avere or whatever, you know, so then I'm like, oh, okay, this is good. Ah, this is really right in my alley. Yeah, but, there's one that I like right now. Plus women is, with boobs. <laughs> oh, there's a... There's a it's a weird thing. When I go to the search thing, I'm just like, do I like uh, all these ladies? <laughs> like, I don't think I'm searching for pictures of I know, that's the first thing shows up, right? And it's just like... It's it like, doesn't anymore for the me, The algorithm seems yeah. to think, you're a creep. You're a guy. <laughs> yeah, you're Well, it starts off as you're a guy. Okay. Because that's what I originally got when I would go to search. It would just be like, blub, all these women. Yeah. But now, it's all like language videos and people talking about nature and, you know, things that I, that I, that I look at most regularly. So that's fine. Yeah, there's a there's a thing now where it's a person going, uh, "I'm gonna ruin a song for you by sh- uh, telling you who the singer sounds like," mm. and then they, uh, they, you know, they play a bit of it and then they point up and then it cuts to an image of that person and yeah. like, "Oh, yeah, that's exactly right." <laughs> and it would be know. like uh, B52's "Love Shack." Yeah, and you know, what's the name of the fella who yells in in uh, the B52s? That guy who died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fred. Fred. Fred uh, the Yeller. Yeah, okay, Fred, so, Fred something. So they, they play in like the Love Shack song yeah. up until he coming up. And then they put put to an image. 
and it's uh, John Mulaney's character from Big Mouth. Okay. And it's just like, yep, that's right. That's not a million miles away. Yeah. And now that's all I can see whenever that song comes when you, on. When yeah. Love Shack, yeah, his part in the is to yell. His part is to yell, and he does it quite well. He also wrote a lot of the lyrics and stuff for songs. So I guess he had good. A, I guess he had a place. Good there. for him. Yeah. It's a good gig. Fred Schneider. I'm surprised uh, there's not more yellers in songs. Mm. You know, he's uh... kind of like the guy in Sugar, in Sugar Cubes, you know, with Bjork's first band. Okay. Like she would have, sing with her beautiful voice and then there'd be this guy, Icelandic guy who with an accent kind of, you know, talking. You'd be like, shut up. Just let Bjork sing, please. But nope. I'm here I'm, too. I am still not sure if Sonny Bono could sing. Um, I guess he could. Could he? I need some proof. <laughs> His thing was more the production part of it. Like he produced wrote and produced the songs yeah i'm not sure like i listen to like any sunny and share songs mm-hmm. and it's just it's not a million miles away <laughs> from just talking he seems he's just talking yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean he's on the notes yeah the notes are there but they're not too yeah, far apart sure. it's just that's one of their songs i suppose other okay. songs they did they were the beat goes on <laughs> the beat goes on it goes on yeah it's not a lot of range yeah. i'm not hitting high notes mm. we're not the mamas and the papas <laughs> and then uh share you know has a has a range to her yeah. she can sing uh, everything but yeah then he's the stable little grounding force that's there i guess that was his part in the in their in their uh, sound i'm trying to remember what he did when he like because there was that weird time where okay they had the sunny and chair show and like it's fine yeah that's uh fine yeah. and then they broke up yeah. like oops yeah, okay yeah. and then Cher had a show mm. and sunny had a show oh. they both had their own shows yeah. and i'm like okay when Cher had her show uh you know she would sing and she'd wear a sexy outfit sure and i'd be like oh that's pretty designed good. by that by bob, bob mackie bob mackie not to be confused with <laughs> Bob Mackie of Talking Simpsons. Sure. Well, no, uh, I thought they were the same person. They are, but he is but, not the dress but don't designer confuse them. for Carol don't Burnett. Don't confuse and, them. Okay, uh, but uh, they are the same person. You just mean don't confuse his two different jobs that he has. Yes, dress designer to share and Carol Burnett, and uh, and uh, and uh, husband to the third dragon. Husband to the third dragon. Okay, right. Uh, three different jobs. Yeah, three, three, three different jobs. Wow. And but then Sunny, it's a real trine. Yeah, I'm trying to think like what Sunny would have done because I can't see Sunny coming out yeah. and like. All right, here's a song sung in my inimitable style, <laughs> and it's just like mm, I don't know. Yeah, you know, and then and then go yeah. into it. Like I can see him doing comedy sketches. Sure, yeah. that's fine. Funny guy. And then maybe talking to the guy with the emu. He's kind of the American Ringo. Sonny he's, Bono. He's not a million miles away from Ringo. Yeah. Except Ringo didn't write as many songs as Sonny. No, Sonny Bono was. You know, he was a he was a um, worked with Phil Spector for a long time, and then took Phil Spector's production techniques and applied them to his own thing. Let me just see where Phil Spector is now. In oh. jail? Oh. <laughs> well, it still didn't stop and him. And from... the beat goes on. <laughs> still did a lot of big songs in the 60s, Phil Spector. Right. Until he stopped. I wonder what happened to his wigs when he went to jail. <laughs> yeah, they put in storage or they sold? Yeah. Maybe they're sold to pay for legal fees, legal costs. Like they must be in like a by... humidor or something. They must be in some, uh, something to <laughs> keep, them, keep them yeah, fluffed. Yeah, yeah. probably. <sighs> That'd be interesting when he finally passes away and people just throw the wigs on his grave, <laughs> his respect. That'd be interesting. Uh, hopefully, people aren't respecting him. In the in lieu possibly. of flowers, please send wigs. Send, please send wigs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was wearing wigs or toupees even in the '60s. So he's an early adopter of wigs because he was an early adopter of losing his hair. As was as was Stan Lee. 
Mm. You see uh, early pictures of Stan Lee that look like Stan Lee's dad. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Stan Lee shows up in the 60s. And you're like, hey, wait, who's this guy? Oh, who's uh, this? He looks a lot like this uh, Stanley Lieber fella yeah. who used to work for Timely Comics. Yeah. To pay or not to pay. That's uh, it's interesting. Guys like that who have like that real strong second act in life. Like, you know, you live, you live for the like... willpower to have that second act in life. Yeah. Same with Kirby. Mm. You know, I mean, Kirby was a comic book artist and then became, you know, this powerhouse... Of like, you know, Fantastic Four was like mm-hmm. in his 40s. Yeah, yeah. And then, mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He prob- I mean, I don't know if he ever went through his like the doldrums the way that Stan Lee did. Because, you know, he had Well, his what did he do in the 50s? Like, I romance, mean, romance comics. Romance comics, comics guess, Boys yeah. Ranch and stuff like that. I yeah, mean, those that's are, true. And those were like six, really successful comics. He did kind of, you know what? To yeah. be fair, he did kind of start romance comics as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like he had, he had... He was working like he and Joe Simon had their their own little uh, kind of uh, factory set up, you know, where they would, you know, like uh, it was kind of ironic because later on you're like, oh, he got he got killed by work for hire, yeah, but he was doing work for hire himself in the in the fifties. He was taking people's work and selling it as as his own, and they were getting p- pennies and getting or peanuts and having to send away their ideas and their work to the Simon and Kirby um, and Eisner did that too. So you know, all those guys that got bit in the ass by it. In a way, they got hoisted on their own petard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there you go. And as petard said, make it so. Oh, there you go. <laughs> How's everyone doing with that? Everyone okay? Everyone get through that joke? Groaning. There we go. There's an audible groan that will be covering the consonant on Saturday. Um, I'm going to uh, bring up the subject of vampires right now. Okay. And uh, as uh, I'm going to invite the subject of vampires onto our show because <gasps> that's the only way yes, that, that this can, can happen. Can and also, it's my excuse for being able to have some Sour Patch candies. Yep, you, you lay down in the cot. I want to make as much noise as possible. <laughs> the special cot this. we have here for, um, for, for you to lay in while I do this part of the show. Now, David, uh, David has been watching uh, a uh, soap opera yeah. with a bit of a twist. Uh, you might think like, you know, something like uh, All My Children, which was about a person who had a lot of children. Uh, <laughs> Guiding Light, about a lighthouse keeper and their yeah. uh, sexual misadventures. Uh, Edge of Night, uh, which was about an edgy comedian who would uh, do uh, material at night. About and then Ted just Knight? Go, I guess, yeah, it was about Ted Knight. Um, <laughs> but there used to be another uh, show, and it was called Dark Shadows. Ooh. And it was uh, about a person who uh, was a shadow puppeteer. <laughs> and that didn't work. Because, yes, yeah, so he was in Moomin and uh Yeah. Yeah. And uh, said, uh, uh, they said, uh, forget that, put a vampire in there. And then, what? <laughs> and uh, it was very successful. But sure. uh, Dave's been watching them on Tubi. I have been watching them on Which is a free Tubi. cable channel. And, uh, free Dave streaming will- channel. What's that? Free streaming channel. Streaming. Sorry about that. Yeah. Free streaming channel. Uh, by the way, uh, we, we've been watching uh, Pluto. Interesting. It's very interesting. Oh, someone's like, talking about that at work today. So yeah, yeah. You've been watching all of Three's company. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. They've got like these channels. It looks like when you go onto Pluto, yeah. uh, it's not like one of those things where you know all the uh, shows come up like a little squares. Yeah. They come up like it's a TV guide uh, okay. situation. Oh. But it's like it's just the Three's company channel. Okay. And they're running it throughout the day. So, you know, say you're watching, it's 1 o'clock, but they're going to be running Three's Company until 1.30, and then there'll be a new Three's Company episode. Now, you go on there, and you can either watch where they're at at the moment, because yeah. they play them, you know, uh, with real time, mm-hmm. or you can go, you know what, I want to watch it from the beginning. Yes, you can watch that episode from the beginning, but you can't watch the next episode right away. You can't watch the previous episode. Oh, really? You're watching the episode they're showing you. Yeah. 
So you go on to the oh, Doctor Who channel yeah. and you watch uh, Doctor Who's or you watch like Mission Impossible or you watch some other old shows. Yeah. It's interesting and it feels like you're watching TV TV. It's, it's neat. But Tubi is a different situation. Tubi is a different situation. It's more mo- and it's really more movie- movies than it is uh, TV shows. There right. are some TV shows in there. But... And, uh, you know, but you might be confused watching the show. You may be like, I don't quite get what's going on. I, I wish someone would explain the show to me. Well, shut up. Uh, because Dave is going to explain yeah. uh, an episode or two or more of the show to you right now. I am. I am. And so uh, let's. Uh, what what episode are we uh, listening to or talking about? This is today? episode seven seven hundred and fifty eight. We're going to start at here. Okay. Because uh, we have to go back a little bit to uh, redo a little bit of this because we lost it all uh, a couple weeks ago. So everyone, I don't know if you remember this, but um, now Laura Palmer. Did I say Laura Palmer? Yeah, I actually wrote Laura Twin Palmer Peaks. in here. I meant Laura Collins. Okay. <laughs> I wrote Laura Palmer. Wait, what a twist. His notes. How odd. Uh, anyway. Uh, and her father, Leland. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this is where it started. Let me just go back a little bit just to make sure. Did that you I'm write not... down notes to Twin Peaks instead? I did. I did. I've been doing a different show about. Is this Twin... vampire wrapped in plastic? Yeah. I did. I'm doing a different podcast called Peaking. And uh, although I think we're going, I think it's all downhill from now. <laughs> but so, yeah. So I am I am in the right place here. Right? I just have to find find where I was again. So everyone, now I don't know if you remember this because it's been a while. Okay. But in the last time we were talking about this this show, this crazy show, right? Uh, we had we have Quentin <laughs> and Angelique are working together to try to finally end Laura Collins because Laura Collins knows who and what Barnabas is. Oh. And so she came there to kill him. She was interrupted by Angelique, who showed up rather conveniently. Right. And now Angelique and Quentin are performing a ritual to destroy uh, uh, Laura Collins. And so, as I was saying, uh, the last episode ended with her almost kind of melting. They put something on the camera yeah. to distort her face you say in a way. It was kind of creepy. And it's very weird looking and it's kind of creepy for a show that's not the scariest in the world, but it's kind of weird and kind of interesting looking and, it, you know, in a crude kind of fun way. Uh, and so uh, what I said, this is the Laura Collins and Angelique Smackdown. So this is where it's a head-to-head fight between these two. One okay. of them is going to win. One of them is going to lose. Who will it be? So as Laura seemingly melts like the clay figure that Angelique had put in the fireplace. So this is what's you know, she's doing a little bit of kind of voodoo stuff. Because as we know, we know that Angelique is from Martinique. The home of voodoo ritual. Angelique is from Martinique. That's yes. what makes her unique. <laughs> yes. And so... <laughs> Uh, so um, Laura calls again to Ra, to the god Ra. She even says that, oh, god Ra. <laughs> Weird afternoon show telling people that the Egyptian gods are real, but okay. To help her to destroy Angelique. And she calls up, and as she calls upon Ra, she basically is trying to like contact Jameson. Because so we see Jameson in his bed mm-hmm. having a nightmare where he re- needs water. He's calling for water in his sleep. He's rolling around calling for water. And Judith comes in and wakes, wakes him up and he begs her for water. And so Judith rushes off to get water for him because he seems in such need. But back at the old house, Quentin, still intoning away with some sort of phony baloney, you know, oh, spirits that, you know, I, I don't know. Who, it must be like so, uh, to me, as a writer, I would have so much trouble writing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because it's just so meaningless that I would just have trouble, you know, oh, gods of such and such. <laughs> You know, send your spirits upon this. You wouldn't have any problem with them going, uh, I'd like some water, please. 
Oh, I'll get you some. Yeah. That would be fine. That's easy dialogue. I can do that. Dialogue is easy. But not Osiris. Yeah, yeah. Just that kind of like, just a lot of like fancy words for for nothing for five minutes. This would would just kill me. Okay. Um, But anyway, so Quentin is intoning away. It almost sounds like he's like, maybe he's not living it because he doesn't have a book in his hand now. (laughs) He's just, but he could be reading it off the prompter. Suddenly, the fire in the fireplace goes out and Laura, or Angelique turns to Quentin. She says, Laura is fighting back. This is what that means. So Angelique demands that Quentin call upon Set himself, and you know, in the you know, as us and the uh, the viewers are kind of like, oh yeah, Set, whoever that is. But Quentin is like, oh no, we can't call upon Set, not Set, because he's fearing, of course, the power of the God of Death. Yeah, he says smart. So in the audience now, we're like, oh, the God of Death, of course, he wouldn't want to call upon Set, I guess. Oh boy, uh, Angelique threatens him. With the revenge of that, Laura Collins will revenge herself upon him because she's going to know that he was involved in this with Angelique. Of course, maybe you should say like, "How will she know?" But I guess maybe Angelique will tell him. I <laughs> tell her. Uh, so he begins his supplications to set, and the fire returns again. But suddenly, Jameson is, appears. He's standing behind them, and he tearfully demands that they stop the ritual. They're killing his mother, and Quentin and Angelique go like, uh, "Who? What? Uh, us?" So we, we, us do that? We wouldn't do that. You know, and maybe you should go back to the, the house. But he refuses to go home. Right. Because he knows that they're up to badness. Judith then appears. I guess she realized where he went when he disappeared when she went to get the water. And she's upset with Quentin and Angelique for upsetting Jameson when he's not feeling well. But Jameson refuses to leave until they promise to stop. And then Judith is curious. Why are they there anyway? What are they doing in Barnabas's house? Right. Where is Barnabas? And Angelique explains that she came there and Barnabas wasn't, Barnabas wasn't home as usual in the daytime. He's often in Collinsport, as you know, i.e. in a coffin downstairs. <laughs> and she explains that she's just waiting for him to come back. And then uh, probably Quentin's point said the same thing. Oh, yeah, I came here looking for... But Jameson calls him out, pointing to the doll in the fireplace and saying, but what were you doing with this voodoo-like doll in the <laughs> fireplace? But the doll is gone. Mm. And it's disappeared. So we have a commercial break. Just, I just want you to know why there's a time, why there's a time elision here. We suddenly cut to Jameson sleeping uneasily on Barnabas's sofa, Satie, Chesterfield. As the other three <laughs> discuss his strange condition, when they look back at him, he's gone. He's disappeared. Judith leaves to find him, begging Quentin to come and help. And, but uh, Angelique wants Quentin to continue to help him. And Quentin points out to Angelique that Laura knows that she is a threat. She is in as much danger as he is. Angelique orders Quentin to find her a full-length mirror. Meanwhile, at the cottage, Jameson finds his mother, Laura, lying exhausted, worn out on a settee. She tells them that Angelique is their enemy. She's the one who's working against her. And uh, she, of course, goes on about the fact that that uh, Jameson's going to join her and they're going to go to this place together and they're going to have, it's going to be all fun and it's all cotton candy and, and clowns and which doesn't sound that great when I say that actually. <laughs> it's all cotton candy and fun rides and everything's great there. Yeah, that sounds terrible. And uh, he's less than enthused now about this plan of Laura's to like take him away from Collinwood because you know what? He actually likes the people in Collinwood. He doesn't like having to go to the Wentworth Academy with stupid Reverend Trask as a principal. But he likes his family. He likes being with the people he loves. So meanwhile, at Collinwood, Quentin returns to find an angry Judith searching for Jameson. And she accuses Quentin of seeing Angelique behind Barnabas's back. Oh. 
then it's impressive being able to see someone behind your back. Yeah. <laughs> Jameson is brought back to Collinwood by Laura, but she refuses to allow Judith to tend to, to him and sends him upstairs on his own. Laura wants to tell Judith something in private. In the drawing room, she begins to tell Judith the truth about Barnabas. Ooh. So she's like, you know how, don't you think it's weird that <laughs> every day he's not around until the night comes? And again, do people know what vampires are? I assume point? that they would know. They might not realize. That there is like Dracula is yeah, a fictional character in this That's world. right. Maybe. Or maybe, maybe they're real creatures. I don't know. I don't know. They're not common, I don't think. Well, they're real, clearly. Like, you're not going to look at someone and go, that guy looks like a vampire. Like, they're clearly real, and they have been real. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a Barnabas. Well, so yeah, but he might be the only vampire. How? What do you mean, how? How do you become... Well, because he got cursed. Because he got cursed by Angelique. He didn't get bit. Yeah, yeah. He got cursed. Yeah. So he might be the only one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't... Barnabas has never turned anyone else into a vampire. He's made slaves by biting people. Okay. But he's never created a vampire. Okay. At this That's point. At this okay. point. I, I can't speak for the future, but... No one can. How could you? <laughs> Sorry for having more candy. That's all right. All right, putting the candy back. That's fine. So, um... I'm like but, a vampire, but for candy. <laughs> there you go. Luckily, in your own house, you can invite yourself in. Mm-hmm. In So, in the drawing room, she's telling Judith about this, but suddenly, Angelique appears in the room, just kind of suddenly there. And then, uh, with her appearance, Laura loses her voice. So, suddenly... And she's not, like, going, like, I can't speak at all. Like, she's not, like moving her mouth and nothing's coming out and she's pointing at her mouth and Judith is going uh, two words what sounds like no she's like <laughs> she's making these weird noises like she can't but she can't speak that would be a really good thing to do to a ghost like a ghost that you're trying to get some information like, yeah alright so what it's like a animal vegetable mineral yeah, sounds yeah. like sure okay like Harpo and Chico in the Mark Schroeder yeah. films yeah boo boo uh, okay, boo uh, <laughs> so are you pranking the ghost if the ghost doesn't realize sounds it sounds like boo yeah it sounds like boo Everything sounds like boo. Booze. You want a drink. Okay. So Judith is very puzzled, but is more worried about Jameson than she's about Laura's problem. So while, uh, while Laura's losing her voice and Angelique is there and stuff, Judith just leaves and goes upstairs to look after Jameson. And then uh, Laura leaves as well, you know, <laughs> away. And, and then we have a scene between Quentin and Angelique, which we don't often have Quentin and Angelique together. So a couple of scoundrels together and basically quentin is like you know what you are one good-looking lady oh and i'm a red-blooded man part-time werewolf yeah by the uh, way don't who's say rather that in front of, uh, <laughs> yeah, so do not say that in front of barnabas uh and he tells her that he admires her strength and beauty he says i've always admired women of great of great strength and beauty <laughs> and he's really putting the moves on her and, but she kind of like i consider myself quite the feminist she <laughs> She, she, yeah, it's a very popular opinion in the 60s. She, she is, she doesn't like insult him, you know, but she's kind of coquettish. She's kind of like, oh, you, oh, men. But she basically uh, rejects him and sends him back to the old house. Okay. And then uh, Laura, back at the cottage, is still choking on her voice. But we hear herself, you know, her thoughts, which I love. I love in the show that people have, you know, interior monologues that you can hear. In her mind, she calls for Ra's help again. You know, Ra, Ra, Ra. Uh, Quentin, meanwhile, has returned returns to the old house to find Angelique there, and he's all like, "What? Hey, who? You? I? You just were?" Yeah, everything. She uh, she wants him to be there when with her when it happens. So we don't know what that it is, but she says, okay. "I want you to be here with me 
when it happens. So as Laura calls upon Ra's help, flames suddenly engulf Angelique. And as she screams in agony, we end the end the that episode there. It's oh, a good wow. good cliffhanger. So I wonder what there was a commercial for maybe. Yeah. Like flame grilled whoppers or something. Well there'd be the credits and then flame grilled whoppers. I don't know if flame grilled whoppers, I don't know. Because it's a soap a soap opera, so it probably would have been something for housewives. Mm-hmm. At that time, I know the school school kids were watching it too, so there might have been like toy ads. That's pretty uh, pretty dark for a soap opera. Like that's uh, it is pretty but hardcore. It, someone's on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a super popular show, so and it might have been more popular popular with kids by this point. So maybe it would have been more leaning towards the the kid audience. But there's Still very a, few shows that will end with a cliffhanger of yeah. like you know the person's on fire. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> screaming in agony not just on fire but like shrieking in absolute agony um all right so the next episode starts of course we have our little repeat of the last episode which is re-performed by the actors so it's a little little different every time to quentin's horror the shrieking angelique disappears uh which is a bit discomforting for him i guess because you know he's working against he's working against he's working against um you know, Laura, Laura Collins, who's very powerful, and now his ally's gone. Back at the cottage, Dirk Wilkins, the manliest name <laughs> in soap operas. pretty manly. Dirk Wilkins walks in on a weakened Laura Collins. She can barely stand and faints in his arms. Uh, we get a lot of Roger Davis uh, paw, pawing the actress acting at this point of the show. I, I, that guy, I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, he's at this time he's married to uh, Jacqueline... Was him the actress who was in Charlie's Angels? Yeah. Jacqueline something? Uh, yeah. Who you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Anyway, they were married at this time. So he's had this beautiful woman he's married to who apparently had a perfectly symmetrical face. That was her claim to fame. Okay. Most Most people don't have perfectly symmetrical faces. Jacqueline Smith. Jacqueline Smith. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking it was. But it, also, was there Kate? No, that was Kate a different Jackson. name. Kate Jackson, yeah. Farrah Fawcett. Farrah Fawcett, yeah. Later Farrah Fawcett. Made. Strangely, I found I was most attracted to Kate Jackson as a kid. That's okay. Because she was on Adam 12, all right? That's why. Anyway, yeah. um, Magda, uh, Magda finds Quentin in the old house, and she informs him, this is not a tavern, to like as a joke, you know. This ain't no party. This, this ain't, ain't no, no disco. disco. And he explains what happened, you know, that Angelique and uh, Magda taunts him with Laura's power and basically says, well, now you're in big trouble. There's no one to help you. And Laura is very powerful, so she's going to come and kill you. Okay. It was good knowing you. Actually, not good knowing you. So long, sucker. Yeah. See, you wouldn't want to be you. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Uh, unless he flees the old house. Get away from all this taunting. Uh, Laura tasks Dirk with finding her scarab. Of course, you don't remember, but this is the seat of Laura's power was a scarab, but she cleverly hid in a cushion on the co- behind a cushion on a couch in her cottage. And it was found by Magda and brought back for Angelique to use to destroy Laura. And so... Naturally, Laura would like it back. Sure, naturally. It's being used to That's kill her. perfectly natural. It seems, seems, it seems like the thing yeah, to do. Absolutely. So, Dirk is going to find this. Sure, sure, sure. At the old house, Barnabas <laughs> awakens, and he is upset. He's upset about what happened, because Magda and Sandor are basically shirking their duties. They should be there while he's sleeping, making sure that no one comes in to kill him. That's her job. Sure. That's Sandor's job as the blood slave. It's right in the contract. He signed a contract. Yeah, yeah. It's work for hire. <laughs> yeah, Kirby style. And uh, Magda tells him that Laura knows the truth about him. Oh. That he is a vampire. That he is a vampire. And that also that Angelique was destroyed by Laura. And Barnabas is puzzled. Because he's like, 
why would Angelique allow herself to be to be destroyed by Laura? Is Laura more powerful than Angelique? That's not believable to him. Uh, but he realizes then that he must destroy Laura before she destroys him. Okay. It's basically him or him or her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's yeah, just how it no is. Choice. They can't, you know, they can't come together and have like a détente or anything. Yeah, you can't have coffee and talk it out. Like no, no. So after that, he tells Magda, which is always a good thing to tell someone. After that, I'll deal with you later. <laughs> this is as successful a strategy as the person who goes, I have really important news to tell you, but I can't tell you over the phone. Come meet me at my office and I'll tell you then. Click. You, you know, they might as well just say, hey, I want to die. Let me tell you. Let me tell you why and how I'm going to die. Okay, bye. All right. Um, so at yeah, the college. I'll deal with you later is one of those uh, things that's, that's never good. No, no. It's yeah. not going to work. It's Unless work you're like you. a pack of cards. Which like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's the nice. only way it works. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's sure, sure. Like, uh, raison d'etre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Raison d'etre. Uh, at the cottage, Dirk returns. He was unsuccessful looking for this. He could not find the scarab. A weekend, Laura tells him that Ra wants her to return. So Ra is calling her back to whatever realm she lives in. And this is where she wants the children to go, by the way, right? She doesn't want the kids so they can go to Europe together. She basically wants the kids to join her in this realm of fire. So basically, she wants, wants to burn her kids alive <laughs> to take them, take them into this other world. It's every parent's wish. Yeah, every parent wants to burn their kids alive. <laughs> Come so um come into the inferno with me children yeah yeah let us burn together as a family sure it's a family it's, it's be so much fun there so Ra wants her to return but dirk implores implores her not to give up but laura must go there's no choice it's just when she's going to go like what she can do before she she has to leave finally so she gives him a letter for judith this is a letter telling about the, the truth about barnabas so give this to judith so judith knows the truth about barnabas and that's going to spoil his fun and then she demands that he have a carriage ready for her and the children to leave Collinwood later that night. So she's going to go there. She's going to get the kids. He's going to give her the, get her into the carriage. They're going to go off. Then she can burn her children alive. It's a, great, <laughs> it's a great plan. As Dirk walks back through the woods, he is attacked by... <laughs> by... Lyme disease. A familiar... Uh, Lyme disease. That would be more natural. That would be more common. You're right. That would tick him off. But it's... No, it's the familiar oh. squeaking bat. Yes, okay. the little toy that someone's squeezing off screen going is flapping around in his face. And he's like, oh, no, it's a bat. Cut to Laura as she creeps into Collinwood. It's now night. The house okay. is quiet. She thinks no one's up. She can get the kids, get them downstairs, hustle them out to the carriage, burn them alive. Uh, but she's intercepted by Barnabas. Okay. And basically she tries to get his sympathy. She's like, you know... We've known each other a long time. Well, we haven't known each other a long time, but we knew each other in the past, Barnabas. Yeah, I remember. I knew you when you were a kid. I remember you as a child. And you must remember me. Of course, of course. He says, of course I did. And she talk, talks about her first first meeting when he was a boy. And she tries to play in his sympathies. And she begs she begs him to allow her to have take her children. And she points out that who they are is not their fault. That through circumstances that were or out of their control, they became who they are. And it's unfair that they should be punished for who they are. True. But Barnabas tells her that... That's true, but if you were doing, if I were doing what you were planning to do, I would want you to try to stop me, burn your children alive. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, you know, don't tell me how to raise my kids. <laughs> it's true. You know, it's every per, it's every I mean, parent's prerogative. Yeah, yeah. To know, raise the kids I, I, in their own I'm way. I'm a stern parent. Yeah. I want to set my kids on fire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get the government out it's of our their, business. It's for their own good. Yeah. Spare yeah. the spare the match and spoil the child. <laughs> That's what I say. Spare the flaming uh, bonfire. So she's confident 
that soon he will be hated and shunned by his own family. You're going to come here and you're going to be like, it's me, Cousin Barnabas. And they're going to be like, fuck you. Shun. Shun. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but Barnabas then opens the, the door, the secret door to, to in the drawing room. We've seen this. We've seen this. A few times throughout the, the show. So it's not like a new revelation. Right. It's the secret door. Uh, it's not a secret to us, but a secret to Laura. He opens it up and reveals the unconscious body of Dirk Wilkins, laying on the floor, bleeding from two puncture wounds in his neck. And by the way, there's no letter. Oh. He, uh, he's burned it. It's gone. Judith will never find out the truth about him unless Laura can tell her in person. But Laura defies him, though, and goes upstairs to get Jameson. Sneaking into his room, she discovers that Jameson isn't even there. It's the old classic pillow trick, folks. <laughs> she picks up the pillow and she's like, what is this? A pillow? And then she realizes Ferris Bueller wasn't sick at all. Yeah, she says, this this uh, pillow speaks volumes. Oh, that's a wrong wrong answer, <laughs> the wrong clue. Anyway, uh, she, so she I was just trying to wake a pillow up. Mm-hmm. So then uh, we get some familiar laughter. A little bit of a... <laughs> And Angelique steps forward into the light, into a kind of a weird greenish light. And uh, she's laughing merrily. And Laura is horrified. And that's the end of this episode. But not the end of this Dark, dark Shadows. By the way, did we say that this, this is Dark Shadows? No, I don't think so. There we did. Um, so yeah, we come back to Laura doesn't understand how Angelique, Angelique can be in Jameson's room when she saw her burned alive just a little while ago. Right. Angelique tells her that she created a clone. Yes, she uses that word, clone. Oh. She created a clone. Did people know what clones were then? I guess they did. What was a clone movie? Like, what was a clone TV show or movie know. where people would know, I don't know about clones? That's a good question. There's been some kind of science fiction reference to it or something. 69? I don't think it would have been completely unknown as a concept. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah. She also says doppelganger, just so people get, oh, on, thank the, you. get on the same page. That's German for clone. <laughs> German for clone. Uh, and it was the doppelganger that perished in the fire. That Now, we didn't see... <sighs> Unless I missed an episode, I didn't. We didn't see Laura make the clone, which I think is a little bit of ah. off, off camera. Uh, you know, out, ah. a little bit of trickery. Like they should have shown her doing something. Obviously, that's what she wanted the full length mirror for, but they never showed the the um the spell. But anyway, Laura is weakening, but she still wants to have her children. Angelique points out that she should conserve her energy. She's gonna die soon. She just needs to relax, lay down, and let it happen. Yeah. Angelique tells Laura that she should be more careful when choosing her enemies. And then Laura leaves. Downstairs, Barnabas tries to convince Edward that Laura has supernatural powers at her command. But Edward isn't buying it, because he is a practical person with logical ideas. <laughs> I refuse to believe things like the supernatural exists. What proof do you have, besides the fact that, you know, mysterious things have been happening for the last little while that aren't explicable, easily explicable anyway. But yes, he refuses to believe that. Laura arrives. She wishes to speak to Edward alone. Barnabas first says no, but then... Uh, Edward, you know, she convinces Edward to, you know, not, you know, what you could only do what Barnabas tells you. What are you, a little boy who has to listen to someone else? But so Edward sends Barnabas away. And then Laura begs Edward to let her see the children and let her say goodbye to the children. Because she tells tells her, him that she is slowly dying and that she needs, before she goes. She must, by the way, I'm going to say uh, yeah. uh, Arthur C. Clarke in yeah. 1953 yeah. had a book called uh, The Duplicated Man. Okay, so clones were... Uh, clones. Yeah. That's right. And it must and have been... At, at the of... time, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin yeah. 
uh, in 68, mm-hmm. uh, had a, a story uh, called Nine Lives. Okay. It was also about cloning. Oh, man. I never thought about her doing short stories. I'd love to try like, look for a book. And Frank Herbert yep. had a, a clone story uh, called Destination Void that came out in 65. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it was some, some way it was kind of creeping its way into the popular culture. At least, or maybe... And this is 69? The 69. Okay, 69, also by Herbert. Uh, uh, Dune Messiah uh, uh, basically had clones of dead people in it, even though they called them uh, Golas? Golems? Golems? Yeah, G-H-O-L-A. Oh, that's different. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we are. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so, um, yeah, she begs her but but Edward cruelly... But prudently refuses to allow her to see the children. <laughs> I like cruelly, but prudently. Uh, as Laura remonstrates, man, do you love all the words I'm using, folks? These are pretty big words. I'm taking out. I get a dollar per word here. As Laura remonstrates, she or big words, I should say. She suddenly faints. Later. So we have a, probably had a commercial break then. I can't remember now. Later, a weakened, restless Laura is laying in bed. Edward attends her, and she begs, begs him to light a fire. Please light a fire. But he refuses. He says, Barnabas said... Whatever I do, don't light a fire around you. And she's like, once again, she's like, what? You listen, take Barnabas's? What does that even mean? Like, can't light a fire. I'm freezing here. So then, then, uh, you know, he suddenly, well, he doesn't light it yet, actually. Because we cut to the children uh, who have been hidden away in the house by Edward. So Laura won't know where they are. So Nora and David are trapped uh, in another room in the house. We don't know where it is exactly. They've been locked in by Edward. Uh, Jameson, in particular, wants to join his mother. Uh, he's really bought into her, like, paradise stories and stuff like that. He doesn't realize that it involves being burned alive. Nora is a little more circumspect about it. She's a bit more like, well, yes, I love my mother, but I don't want to leave my dad, and I don't want to leave Collinwood and all the people I love. So, yeah, it's, you know. Meanwhile, Edward has lit a fire in Laura's room, and Laura uses the fire to replenish her power. She psychically con- contacts Jameson. She's like, Jameson. He's like, yes, mother. Uh, and he tell, <laughs> and he tells her where their father has hidden them. So now she knows. Kind of doesn't know exactly. He tells her the area in, anyway right there. Edward walks in on this and is shocked to see Laura on her feet. Only moments before she seemed like she was dying. I lit a fire to help her warm up. Now she's up and about. Oh, my God. Barnabas is right. Edward walks in on, the, on this and uh, he realizes, yes, that Barnabas is right. And he calls for Barnabas. He's like, Barnabas. Come and hope. But Laura tells him it's too late. And then she disappears before his very eyes. The children are delighted to see a fire has spontaneously appeared in the fireplace. Oh, boy. That fireplace gets a lot of work. <laughs> Barnabas and Angelique arrive to find a stunned Edward staring into the fire. Angrily, Barnabas demands to know how the fire was lit. But Edward avoids the question. The children are in danger. Barnabas sends Ed- Edward to retrieve them. He then asks Angelique for help. She is uncertain that her magic can uh, affect, have any effect there. Uh, meanwhile, though uh, through the medium of fire, Laura calls to the children, telling them she'll be there soon. During this, children don't listen to fire. Uh, and of course, don't listen to fire. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. That's a good advice. Really, don't listen. Don't to talk fire. to strangers. Don't, don't listen, listen to fire. fire. Yes, those are good. Good, very good advice. Uh, now, before before um, Barnabas was basically begging Angelique for her help. Like she didn't know, but he's, he's like, you know what? I know you can do something. So, so um, Angelique begins to cast a spell to stop Laura. She says Laura's enemy is time. That she she says, you know, your enemy, your enemy is time. Your enemy is all the years that you've lived. Time is the fire in which we burn. 
as the children huddle uh, near the fire. Kids. <laughs> What's your mother? Um, Laura appears to them. But then delight, the children's delight, turns to disgust <laughs> as they cower away from her, repulsed by her appearance. Laura is confused. We don't see her. She's wearing a hooded thing, like a hooded, like a little red riding hood kind okay. of thing. And uh, her back is to us. But, so she's confused by what's going on. Then she sees her hands. They're withered with age. Ah. Not just withered with a little age. Withered with like a hundred and something years of age. Oh, okay. And her face is distorted by all that time as well. It's a big mess. And she just screams in horror at how she looks. She and shows poorly. She did shows poorly because as she screams, she is engulfed by flames. Oh. The very flames she called upon until nothing remains. Oh, and she's, I bet she's lost a lot of moisture too. So she just goes up like... <laughs> Like uh, tinder. <laughs> Probably true, yeah. She should have moisturized more when she's younger. She is gone. But now a fire is engulfed, is engulfed the room and it's now threatening the children. Right. It started with the old lady set on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Edward and Barnabas arrive outside the door. They are able to unlock the door, but it also, also bolted from inside. Oh, boy. But the fire is blocking the way to the door, so the kids can't get to the door to oh, unlock it. no. Edward runs off to get a, an axe. And then uh, Bar- Barnabas is uh, standing there, and then he just disappears. What? He disappears. How does he, like, just vanish? He just vanishes. And then he reappears inside the burning room. Is this something he's been able to do in the past? Yeah, I guess so. But it's usually, like, like he'll be outside, and suddenly he'll be inside. So I've never really connected. I thought, like, as a bat, he lifted the window up and flew in. But I guess guess a bat couldn't really... He can teleport. He can teleport, yeah. Oh, that's useful. Yeah. So, actually... Why why even, like, open your coffin, then? I wrote... Teleport out. I wrote in my notes that in... Edward's absence, Barnabas disapparates, and then he reapparates inside the burning room. Okay. As he calms the children. <laughs> because here's the thing with the kids. Yeah. Okay, first of all, yeah. uh, your mom yeah. is there. You watched her turn into an old lady, mm-hmm. then catch on fire. Yep. And she's set now the room's on fire. Yeah. But hey, calm down. Yeah. Now you got a vampire in there with you. <laughs> well, they don't know he's a vampire. Okay. They don't know he's a vampire. Right. And he kind of comes out of the smoke towards okay. them, so he doesn't like appear like suddenly in front of them. Okay. So Those the, kids are having a rough day. Yeah, they are having a rough day. <laughs> uh, but as he's calming them, the fire just magically disappears. So now that Ra has ah. taken back Laura, the fire, the fire retreats. Barnabas opens the door for Edward, who is too relieved to find the children uh, to ask how the heck Barnabas got in the room. So he just kind of comes in and he's just happy to see the kids are there. And uh, the children explain what happened to their mother. <laughs> now, we cut away from that to a complete... With this goal, let's, let's, enough of this. Let's go in a different different direction today. Elsewhere, a drunken Quentin shows up at family lawyer slash occult occultist right. Evan Hanley's. I think that's what his name is. At his house, he wants Hanley to use his knowledge of the black arts to end his curse. He points out a full moon is coming. He doesn't. He can't stand the idea that he might hurt someone again. So uh, Hanley promises to try. But uh, he can't guarantee anything because he has no idea what the curse is. What? What's that? I was just laughing. Oh, okay. And I laughed like a seal. Went, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. You gave it the seal of approval. <laughs> At Collinwood, Edward would like to know how Barnabas got into the locked room. Sure. Uh, Barnabas does the classic Barnabas thing. Ah, uh, er, e, ah. Uh. And then he goes, oh, there, I went out to the other window and I climbed along the ledge and got in that way. Edward buys it. He has no reason to think, wait a second, aren't you a, va- a vampire who can just <laughs> magically appear in a room? Uh, then he wants, he really, what he wants is a logical resolution to what's happened. Like he just can't wrap his mind around the fact that Laura made fire appear. 
you know, could disappear at will, appear and disappear at will, was trying to like burn the children alive. Like this is all stuff he doesn't understand. So, uh, and frankly, Barnabas can't help him. You know, he can't say, well, you know, it's weird. I'm a vampire. That's crazy, right? I mean, you think that Laura's crazy, but what about me? I'm a vampire. No, he can't say anything. He just has to kind of be like, well, some things can't be explained. And so then Barnabas leaves and uh, Edward goes to bed. Edward retires. At this point, Jameson sneaks downstairs to sit in the darkened drawing room. Maybe he's just got to kind of think about what happened with all the fire and things happening. Mother's burning alive in front of his eyes. You know, just normal things. I mean, that's going to be something for the kids' therapists. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. They'll have to wait for therapy to be invented and then go for therapy. Right. So um, so he's sitting there. And then he's discovered by Quentin and Hanley, who have returned to Collinwood. Uh, Jameson apologizes to Quentin, you know, for kind of being against him, like taking his mother's side against Quentin and, and saying a lot of bad things to Quentin. And he says, you know, can we be, can we be friends again? And Quentin says, I could never not be your friend. I will always be your friend. No matter what you do, I will always be your friend. And because uh, the thing about Quentin is weird. It's like, he is an absolute jerk. You know, he's a manipulative murderer slash werewolf. And... <laughs> uh, you see, when when that's like the third worst yeah, thing, yeah. is that you're a werewolf. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's also he's an embezzler. Yeah, he's, an embezzler. he's a bigamist. He's a zombie. <laughs> like, okay, well, that yeah. you weren't leading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's a great uncle. <laughs> that's a weird thing, right? He's what? like it, the bar is so low as an uncle. Well, I appreciate that the bar is so yeah, low for yeah, uncles. Yeah, yeah. But he is like a great uncle to Jameson. Like he's loving. Way, way, way more attentive than his dumb dad is, you know, like, but yeah, he's also a murderer. So then, um, so Quentin finds out that Laura died. Okay. He's surprised, of course, but he says, he says to uh, Hanley, maybe, maybe I could die. <laughs> like, maybe that's what I need. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm envious of her that she got to die. Oh, all right. You know, but uh, Hanley boldly suggests that they summon, who should they summon? You're right. The devil himself. This is he's what they busy. I He's got I guess stuff he, to do. You know what? You say that, but uh, Quentin is dubious. Like, he, like, he, like you say, he's, what doesn't he have better things to do than come at our beck and is call? Is there any? Okay, so what's going on around now in like film for like? Are we at Rosemary's Baby time yet? What are we? What know. are we at? Like, why is the devil popular now? Why are we doing? This? I don't know if the devil's popular. This is a one, one show. Yeah, but I guess Rosemary's Baby came out around this time. I mean, let's give the devil his due. He's always been kind of popular. <laughs> You know, there's not, there's not a time. I mean, what I find more surprising is... I thought it was give the devil his dues. I've been paying that guy. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> that was a semantic mistake. You paid for that. Uh, what I find interesting about, like, the devil and stuff in, in TV shows and things is, like, because of religious pressures, they can't talk about God. Like, they can't talk about Jesus. They can't talk about God. But they can talk about all the opposite things of it, all the kind of villainous elements, all the make-em-ups about religion, the devil yeah. and hell and all those things. That's all fine. But anything that smacks of religion, well, we don't want that going out there. It's weird. It's a weird it's thing. Like, sorry, I'm just going to say real fast. I remember like uh, being a kid and watching the episode of Twilight Zone. And it was like, uh, there was a, the, the devil was like behind a door. Like they, some monks. Yes, tra- yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, yeah, and that's then a good it was one. like, don't open the door. Mm-hmm. Don't open the door. And then the guy opens the door. And then this guy comes out. And then, like, slowly turns into the most stereotypical devil you could ever see. Yeah. He's got the cape. He's got the horns. And yeah. Like, ha, 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 and off he goes. Like, well, you let the devil out. And at the time, I was like, why was the devil back? Like, you can just put him behind a door. What? What's this story about? And to this day, <laughs> I don't understand what 
the moral of the story is, you know, uh, what's the point of that? What was that supposed to teach us? Yeah. Was it a modern Pandora story? <laughs> like, you know, oh, you opened it, you let the devil out. Whoops. I don't remember it well enough to. That's it. That's comment. the whole story. It's like, mm. you guys, like, don't let the devil out. Don't let the devil out. Don't let the devil out. Well, you let the devil out. The end. Hmm. I guess prob- trouble to follow. And then Rod Serling steps out and goes, I don't know, shrugs his shoulders, <laughs> and then just like, you know, uh, sits down and has a smoke, and a cup of coffee. Not a very satisfying ending, is it? Yeah. Anyway. And, and as he's drinking his coffee, going, that's it, we're done. Go, go away. All right, let's, let's get, to, we're at the finish line here, folks. We'll just finish this up. Sure. Uh, so yeah, Quentin is dubious, as I said. He's, he's like, why would, the, why would the devil <laughs> come and help us? Like, He's got stuff to do, right? Yeah, that's he's my got, point. He has souls to heat up. He's, he's, got, he's uh, got the apocalypse to yeah. plan. He's got a pitchfork to sharpen. He's got an antichrist to make. The farrier's coming to work on those hooves. Uh, but, oh, that'd be a bad gig, is <laughs> Yeah. Um, but Quentin says, I'm willing to pay any price to have this curse lifted. Uh, In the morning, uh, it seems everyone's gone, except for Ed, Ed, Edward. Uh, not Edward, sorry. Yeah, everyone's gone. I think, uh, it doesn't matter. In the morning... I don't know why I had this weird thing. In the morning, Edward finds Nora mourning her mother. And for the first time, actually, in the history of this show, he is actually somewhat of a good father in this moment of comforting his, his daughter. Okay. He does he does kind of uh, blow it by like insisting that she forget about her mother, which I don't think is like a great thing to tell a kid. Just forget about your mother, you know. Eh. But he does, you know, he is like sympathetic and he's helpful and he's loving. Um but uh, then Quentin comes in, and he and Quentin talk. And Edward is quite disturbed by the events of last night. You know, I was here, uh, some... Um, where was I? Sorry. <laughs> I'll edit this out. I'm in the last part here, Dave. Come on. Keep, keep, it, keep it. it together. You keep it together. It. Come, on. Come on. You can do this. You can do it. Make a deal with the devil. So, yeah. He, <laughs> he encourages her to try to forget Laura. So then he and Quentin talk. So Edward is, you know, disturbed by the events of last night. Things were happening that weren't easily explained he saw his ex-wife uh disappear in front of his eyes you know little things kind of were weird but he wants he wants things to go back to normal basically he wants them to be a family again he wants quentin carl judith and himself to be a family and you know he's building a lot of bridges towards quentin but quentin's kind of like yeah i gotta go (laughs) see ya and so he just leaves because he doesn't say i gotta go i got a black mass i gotta go to so see you later Got you know I've got some religious stuff to do. He uh, goes goes to Hanley's, or so we cut to Hanley's though, and it's weird because there's like a weird time thing here. So Quentin leaves, and then we cut to Hanley's, and Quentin's now drunk. Okay. And Hanley's like, I wish I hadn't told you to come over so early. If I knew you're gonna like hit the bottle, and Quentin's like, I'm fine, it's okay, I'm perfectly good, perfectly good, it's gonna be okay. Okay, I'm ready, ready to see Satan and say, <laughs> Hail Satan, <laughs> and um. So yeah, so Hanley's not so happy with this. But they begin the Black Mass. And it's Hanley, once again, we have some more intoning, a ritual as Quentin paces the room. And lightning's flashing and the wind starts to blow and it blows open the French doors in Hanley's house. And as he, as he continues to talk, this silhouetted figure appears in the doorway, the lightning flashing behind it. And, and Quentin sees it and uh, he just faints, <laughs> falls to the ground. And that's the end of this episode. Okay. So I don't know. Where all right, go. all right. Is it is it the devil at the door? I don't know. I don't I want to know. I want to know too. We have to wait two weeks to find I have out. Have to wait, everyone. Unless you go to Tubi and, and watch, watch it there. The, watch the episode. Sorry, I don't know what that episode was. Maybe seven sixty one or something like that. I can't quite remember. Yeah. 
it's one of those things where they don't have titles for the episodes. It's just numbers. So yeah, it makes it yeah, harder. Yeah. And what's weird is that last episode, that last episode, I and mean, they must have gone over time because there's no credits. It just has Dan Curtis Productions. Yeah. And then it and then it ends because I, I always uh, press the back button on the remote so that I can see the credits. Otherwise, it'll go to the next episode right away. But I want to see who wrote it and and stuff because so, there's three writers in the show at this time: Gordon Russell, Violet Davis, and Sam Hall. Okay. Sam Hall is a, a mirror is so good as a writer of this show. He is so good. Every episode is funny, uh, innovative. And things are always happening. Violet Davis is very good with characters, and she all, all her episodes the characters are really like drawn out and made interesting and. And then Gordon Russell's kind of like the time waster. Like he's just kind of there to <laughs> get through that episode to the, you know. And so we had Ron Stoat in the past. past. Not Stoat. That doesn't make sense. Ron something who was, uh, he was fine, but he wasn't like, he was a real recapper. Like that was his like, okay. you know, we need 50, 20 minutes of recapping. I don't think so, Ron. No, no, we do. Because people aren't going to know what's going on here. It's fine, Ron. If people don't know exactly people what's going care. on. Yeah, they don't care. But yeah, he was kind of boring writer and, and uh, that wasn't. So when he left the show, I thought, oh, that's great. Now we have three fantastic writers, but uh, Gordon Russell is, he's okay. He's okay. But anyway, that's the end of Dork Shadows. Please nice. join us in, yeah, in two weeks' time, because uh, next week we've got music. Yep. We're going to have a little tribute to uh, one of the biggest assholes in music, David Crosby. Uh, it's not all David Crosby songs, but we're going to have a song by him in, in the mix. So. Okay. Just to say goodbye to David Crosby, who died this past week. So. Proving that he was not a vampire. Proving he's not a vampire. But he was a human living. He was a human vampire. Like he was like a <laughs> vampire of people's spirits and their energy and their like their lives. You know, he did prey on people that way as a vampire. All right, but, there uh, we go. You know, we'll. Uh, we'll I don't want to speak. We'll Ill discuss the uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young and uh, what uh, Universal monsters they each are. <laughs> no, I mean, I I like David Crosby as an artist, but he was just not a great human being. Okay. I can't, I can't argue against it because I don't know enough about him. Well, then don't argue against it. I won't. Because you will lose, sir. You will fall. Anyway, uh, isn't it time to read some letters? It is. It is. But I was just going to say tangentially uh, because I was mentioning all these um, uh, British shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it made me think of Canadian shows. Oh, okay. It made me think just... And again, out of nowhere, I was just thinking like, I wonder how many episodes of The Trouble with Tracy there were. Remember the Trouble no, with Tracy? I, I don't remember that show. At Trouble all. with Tracy was a show that ran from 1970 to 1971, and it How was uh, universally was considered uh, the worst Canadian sitcom ever. Okay, uh, awful. Uh, and I, things I didn't realize uh, were uh, all the. It was set in New York, which is a weird thing for a Canadian sitcom. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a cop. It's a, a cop. A woman who is a little bit dumb. Oh. Uh, the husband's an ad executive. Uh, he's a bit grumpy. Uh, she's got a brother-in-law who's a hippie. Uh, mother-in-law is uh, mean, and so wow. there you go. But they they didn't write their own scripts. They took scripts from um, a radio show uh, that was twenty five years old, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and uh, made the show. And it's one of the worst shows. Um, so I wonder in the original radio show what the son, what the brother-in-law was. If yeah, yeah, they had, they changed that. They well, you know he was just a you know a lazy mm, near near do well. Okay, yeah, so everything was bad for her. Including the fact that she was a dum dum. Yeah, it was. Hmm. Uh, it was a, a, a 1930s to 1945 American radio comedy called Easy Aces, and wow. uh, and yeah, the the original title of the Trouble Tracy was The Married Youngs, and huh. uh, it was just a terrible, terrible show. 
Um, but I was wondering, like, how many episodes were there? So just to, just to guess, knowing it ran one season, okay, on CTV, yeah. Uh, how many episodes do you think there were? Knowing that, yeah, they were like faulty, like uh, most of the British shows, seven episodes a year. Okay. Oh, oh, they were they were seven. They were seven, like generally seven episodes a year. Mm. Uh, usually six, sometimes seven. Uh, so the Trouble with Tracy ran from 1970, 1971. Okay. How many episodes do you think there were of the Trouble with Tracy? Um, so one season. One season. Yeah. Canadian TV on CTV. Thirteen shows. Hundred and thirty. In one season? <laughs> In one season? Oh, it must have been like a three times a week show or something. Like that. Almost like a soap opera then. <laughs> It ran uh, in an afternoon time slot. Now, here, here's, here's an interesting thing, okay. and I will get to the letters. Okay. But uh, okay, so they would, they would. Uh, it was done uh, for Canadian content law. So you know, just to fill the space, and we've done this amount of oh, okay, Canadian okay, content. Yeah, yeah. So when they would take a show and just like shove it somewhere to you for Canadian content laws, uh, they would call that time slot that they would put that in uh, Beaver Hours. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was uh, showed uh, showed up in the Beaver Hours. Oh, I love it. Yeah. There was a a thing in I think it was 2003. That's right. The Comedy Network here uh, said they were going to redo Trouble with Tracy, but it was an April Fool's joke. Okay. So uh, so yeah, they did not do it, but there was a big big push about it. They interviewed the original stars of the show and everything like this. But uh, oh, it's uh, it's it's horrific, and I'm going to give you the first episode. Oh, thank you. Uh, it also leads into a question that I want to ask at the end of this column. Okay. So last week on the show, we asked uh, the following questions of our uh, listeners. What is something your parents told you not to do, but you did it anyway? And how do you feel about advertising on podcasts? Excellent questions. By the way, I may have started working for an ad agency today. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Your real Darren Stevens. Stevens. Yeah. You could have gone with John Hamm in uh, Mad Men, but you went with Darren Stevens. Nice. Nice way to go. Okay. Um, <laughs> so Sorry. Our, our friend uh, Nina Matsumoto, the third dragon, writes. Uh, oh. Oh, because oh, you were talking about Skin Rink. Oh, boy. Uh, you know what I forgot to say about that movie? Before the movie started, the Rio was playing the, all these trailers for, I assume, European, basically, like, softcore film, softcore porn films. Okay. Like, it was like, Boobs Ahoy. <laughs> was that one of the films? That was one of the films, Boobs Ahoy. And part two, Boobs Ahoyer. And it, oh man, it just went on and on. Like eventually you're like, and I like boobs. I'm not going to pretend I'm not like in some sense, very, very favorable towards boobs. Like I really like them. Okay. But I was tired of boobs after a while. Like I was like, I am boobed out. This has got too much boobage. It was really weird. Like this played all these trailers for all these movies, you know, and they're all this kind of the same sounding they're all kind of dubbed, you know, they're like European movies. So it's some Italian film, you know, and it's really loud and kind of, Almost the soundtrack is like too tinny or whatever. It's distorted in some way. And it's all like, you know, George is wishing that his wife would stop. Blah, 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 you know, and it's like, ah, meh, 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 and then it's, we just cut to boobs. You know, you're like, oh, my gosh. At first, you're like, oh, this is great. Boobs. And then after a while, you're just like, oh, well, so many boobs. And then they after then after a while, they started like doing kind of murder movies and stuff instead of boob movies. I guess it had some variety. Okay. Eventually. But it's odd. They should advertise Critical Hit Show more. Um, yes, they should. They should. Uh, so Nina, uh, I'm sorry to go from uh, that to Nina. Let's, uh, Nina let's... was there. She was a witness to all this. Oh, very good. Okay, that's fine then. 
the letterbox reviews on uh, Skin Rink are very interesting because they seem to range from most boring thing I've ever seen to <laughs> scariest thing I have ever seen. Yeah. It seems to really work for a lot of people. It taps into something they fear subconsciously, I guess, or they have a huge imagination. There are multiple reviews about how it reduced the viewer to a shivering, anxiety-ridden mess. It <laughs> even made uh, people cry. I really don't get it. I gave it two stars because I didn't like it. I kind of admire the audacity of what the filmmaker put out <laughs> there, and it was unlike anything I'd seen on the big screen. Yeah. I almost want Ian to watch it one day to see what he thinks. On that note, I had to recommend to Ian uh, recently a podcast called Too Scary, Didn't Watch, mm. which recaps horror films for those afraid to watch them. Uh, but still uh, want to know uh, what they're about. Hosted by three women. And usually it's the bravest of them summarizing the film to the other two, sometimes yeah. with a guest. Yeah. I doubt it'll happen, but I would love to hear them cover Skin Rink. <laughs> oh, you never know. They, they might. They it's, might. It's popular enough that it would draw viewers to their... Uh their podcast i read the uh, i listened I to that it's in my it's in my subscriptions i read uh, i read the plot of it and uh went to yeah no not uh, not watching that uh sorry. well you know here I'll let me tell you right now yeah you can watch the movie and you'll have no idea what the plot was the only reason you know what the plot is because is you read wikipedia mm -hmm. the movie does not help you at all in knowing what's happening mm -hmm. it's not happening yeah, and it's again, literally not happening in front of you on screen it's the most not happening movie you've ever seen in your life there's nothing happening once again i'm going to recommend the uh Paramount Plus show uh, Evil, yeah. uh, as in like, has got some legitimately scary things that I've been like, "Ooh, this did you?" That's pretty. That's pretty creepy. But uh, I think because they ground things often in reality and give you a realistic explanation for some of the horror things, it makes the horror things even more so when they do the horror things. Uh, did so. you Did you see that message from our our lovely listener yes. Mary about uh, her excitement that you like Evil? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. One of her favorite shows. It's a It's a show that if you like it, you're going to really like it. And I'm, if you uh, don't, yeah, it's okay. I'm thinking of subscribing to Paramount Plus for a little while anyway because I want to see that um, Natasha Leone show. Um, Is that on Paramount Plus? I believe so, I yes. Think it's on, no, it's on Peacock. Oh, it's on Peacock? Yeah. Oh, shoot. How Which I don't think we... Uh, I don't think we can get Peacock here then. No, I don't think so. But maybe someone else will pick it up then. And hopefully it's hopefully it's available in some form. Yeah, I'm going to have to look it up on Just yeah, Watch. Yeah, there'd be uh, ways to find that. Um, Matthew Sanborn. Smith writes, I often find myself in the mood. Oh, we talked about McDonald's. So oh, yeah. uh, I often find myself in the mood for McDonald's maybe three times a year. It would be more often if those three times didn't remind me why I don't like McDonald's. <laughs> maybe Canadian food regulations ensure a better burger than ours in the U.S. do. I made my triannual. Uh, we call that a triad here. We call it a trine. A trine. Fuck, that's right. Trine. I apologize. <laughs> a trek uh, about a week and a half ago. They had a deal, so I got a couple of quarter pounders. The only thing I can chalk up uh, the taste to is maybe uh, McDonald's is much older than we think it is. From before refrigeration, I mean. Uh, the only way to preserve meat was to pack it in salt. This is why uh, people can uh, set one of those burgers on a windowsill for 50 years and not be able to discern any physical difference in it. Uh, for all I know, the cow uh, that uh, that day was killed in colonial times. Woody Allen said he didn't want to achieve immortality through his work. He wanted to achieve it through not dying. A third option would be to turn him into a McDonald's hamburger. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Then we get a uh, letter from the co-host of uh, the Horse Mysteries podcast, uh, Lisa. By the way, listen to Horse Mysteries. Uh, yeah, it's a good show. 
Lisa writes, I'm with Ian. I like this so far. On the whole, Dave has strong food opinions thing. Wait. Well, I could go on, yeah, but I'd rather stay married hey, and leave it at you that. You know I would never I would never leave you over food arguments. So what what are my strong opinions here? I'd, I'd like to know. Uh, I have pretty It's I, a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Don't answer. <laughs> Don't answer. I'm just asking questions. I just want to know. I just want to know what you think. That's yeah, what I yeah. think. Don't. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's not it's not a trap. It's a trap. Uh, regard, uh, Ari, Dave's story of a teacher remembering him and Ian's incredulity, incredulity, incredulity over social paths, uh, over the fact, uh, as I approach the end of my teaching career, I'm celebrating my 30th year. I can attest that some students just stay in your memory for whatever reason. And I'm finding it's the ones I have earlier in my career that stand out more. The students uh, recently have been blending together uh, more, but that might be partly related to COVID interruptions, stress, and masking. Likewise, students who I spent a lot of time with or experienced uh, different activities with, like the days when I sponsored student council and we would put on dances, food drives, and the like, as well as attend student leadership conferences, stand out more to me uh, than students I have had over the last few years. I still get students who I taught uh, come back to see me, this fall, I had a girl who I taught 20 years ago drop by, and the next day, a boy I taught 10 years ago drop by. It's nice to hear uh, how they are doing. Huh. That's very, very nice. I don't think I'd. I don't think I could drop by and visit a teacher. I'm too. Um... It's weird just to walk into the school. <laughs> what is that? What is that show called with Natasha Leon? The Brian Johnson. Poker face. Poker face. Thank you. And uh, poker face. Yeah, uh, Ryan. Uh, Ryan. Is it Ryan Johnson who's the yeah, uh, director? Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he writes and directs, I think, like three episodes Cool in that series. Uh, Edward Dragansky writes, I'd like to counter uh, back to uh, Lisa from this comment she wrote to me last week. Number one, life advice. I'm going to counter Ed and say, uh, consider who you let influence you. Just because a person is your elderly or is in a position of power or authority in your life doesn't necessarily mean they have it all together. Know the ins and outs of things or even have your best interests at heart. If you know uh, what you want from life, uh, it's what you're good at. Uh, it's what you're good at and brings you happiness, satisfaction, or peace. Then take that path. The response now. <laughs> to clarify, I wasn't writing in general when I mentioned elders. More so the ones who mentor you and help you on your path as you grow. I think my dad had a time at his job where they brought in more young employees than experienced ones. And they just refused to listen to anything my dad or his colleagues had to say. It's just that kind of thing, Lisa. More of the professional application and not one of authority. I'll just say that so far that advice has paid off and I continue to learn from my experienced older mentors as well as the younger ones. I wasn't allowed to cross the interstate near our house to visit the mall on the other side, but one day my friend and I were playing tennis at the high school across from the mall. I think I was probably in fifth or sixth grade, so what did we do? We faced near death, crossing eight lanes of 70 miles per hour traffic and scaling a six-foot fence in the middle just to get to the mall. Uh, while carrying tennis rackets and balls. Uh, we went to the mall and visited the toy store first. This would be my future employer in about six years. And my friend asked me if I'd be in trouble if my parents knew I was at the mall, to which I replied, they'll never know. Like Darth Vader, my mother walked around from the next aisle, furious to see me in the mall store. She reached her hand out and I started to float and choke. No, so it wasn't like Darth Vader. Uh, she just happened to be there buying a gift for her friend's daughter. And yes, I was in huge trouble. So was my friend. At least we didn't have to cross that dangerous interstate like Frogger going back again. I remember, if you're a frog and you get in any water, you will die instantly. That is the rules of Frogger. 
I've been in advertising for almost 33 years, so I have to weigh in. Do it if you're passionate about the product, not because you feel you have to. Some clients have it in them to inspire you and get you behind the product. If it's not a good product, then uh, then you're helping each other. And it, sorry, if it's a good product, then you're helping each other. And it's a worthwhile partnership. I'm not at all against advertising on podcasts. In fact, I'll bet you guys could uh, write some really great ads for the show. If it's something I can use, I'll go out and I'll buy it because I support Sneaky Dragon. It's that simple. Have fun with it if it's beneficial to all. How's that for a 33-year company man? <laughs> and if you're reading this, I'm flying in your direction, but not far enough for Air Alaska to airdrop me over Vancouver. Aww. Aww. I'm on my way to Seattle for a big corporate meeting my parent company is holding. Not only is it my first time to visit the headquarters in Woodenville, Washington. What a great name. Uh, but this is the furthest from home I've ever traveled, so I'm kind of anxious. Wish me luck. I'm not at my best when I'm flying by air. My wife said I sounded like Samwise uh, Kamji when he stops at the edge of the Shire and says it's the furthest he's ever been from home. <laughs> best, of, best of all to you and my fellow sneakers. May you never lose another episode again. Love suspended over Seattle. So thank you so much for that. Wow. And those were our web mail uh, letters. Do we have anything email-wise? You know what? I don't think we do. That was all we got for letters this week? That is uh, all I've got so far. Oh. I will hit refresh just to double check. Yeah, I think we're I think we're fine. Refreshing, there. refreshing, and that's what I'm doing. It's more refreshing than this Coca-Cola. Yep. That was our letters. Nope, nope, no, no letters. This then I'm going to throw this out as one of the questions because okay. I just mentioned the trouble tracing. Okay. What is the worst television show? Okay. Uh, the what do you think was the worst television show that you, the worst one? Huh? Like as a series, not yeah. like one specific episode that you're okay. Like, but like <laughs> as a as a as a television program, this one was the biggest stinker. Huh. Um. I guess I have to ask ask the second question. You don't have to. We could make some. The problem is for me is I cannot remember a single thing we talked about for the entire rest of the show. Then I'm going to give you a tip for staying awake because you look like you're a little sleepy. I am right really. Now. I am kind of tired. Here's today. what I'm going to say. Uh, yep. This is what this is the tip that I've learned online. Look up. Oh really? Look up. Yep. Just look up. Just look up for a while, look back and forth, but look up, I, and I, that wakes you up a little bit. I enjoyed that movie. <laughs> the movie Up? Look Up. Oh, okay. Very good. With uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence and, other, and a host of other people. That was a good film. I really liked it. Yeah. It got a lot of people that didn't like it. Like a lot of people online were like, oh, the movie's dumb or it's obvious or whatever. And I was like, why? Do you want to be subtle about this thing? Like, you know. They're being really obvious about her imminent death from something really terrible. All right. I'm going to throw this out now because uh, uh, I'll, I'll go with the second question. Kay. I'll make this one positive. Okay. Because we were bringing up Poker Face. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your favorite mystery? Could be a movie. Could be a book. What's your favorite mystery? Okay. Mystery novel, television show, or, uh, you know, could be anything. Could be a video game for crying out loud. But like yeah. uh, your favorite mystery. There you are. And is it me? It's me. Hey, <laughs> how you do? I'm back again. I went away and then I went back. Uh, before Dave falls asleep, let me tell you what yeah. we're going to do. I'm going to tell you how to contact us. You go to the Sneaky Dragon uh, page, which is sneakydragon.com, uh, and you can uh, post whatever you want underneath whatever episode you want. We've got a message board space. And you know what? You're more than welcome. There's room for one more. Always room for one more. Uh, we also are on Facebook. Sneaky Dragon. Post something there. Go to uh, Twitter, Sneaky underscore Dragon. There. Or you go to Tumblr, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. Or listen, if you like email and who doesn't in these troubled times, sneaky D at sneakydragon.com. That's sneaky D at sneakydragon.com. Dave and I do a book series called Sparks. 
There are three books in the series. Sparks. Sparks Double Dare. And Sparks Future Perfect. There are they're in bookstores. They're all bestsellers. They're delightful. Are they for the youths? Yes. Would uh, adults like them? Yes. Of course they would. Fair enough, fair enough. You should uh, pick them up. And while you're there, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Kathleen Gross, ran yeah. into her the other day. Oh, She nice. was doing a, a talk about zines at a school that my wife, Pia, was uh, talking about comics about. And uh, and Kathleen has a best-selling Canadian book uh, right now about uh, Anne Green Gables. Called this, it's just called Anne, right? It's just called Anne, and it's a yeah. modern uh, reimagining of Anne of Green Gables. So uh, she draws it, she writes it, and she is... Uh, uh, I've heard uh, nothing but good things. So you might want to try picking that up. Yeah, well, that's great. She had a... There was an article about her in the paper a little while ago, so I posted about it on our Sneaky Dragon Twitter feed. I am blanking on the name of the Jeopardy champion from Canada. Can, oh, sorry. Who was a young woman mm. who uh, won many, many times. Yes, she's, she's that's fab. right. Uh, but she is on the... Uh, CBC Canada reads uh, kind of thing where they uh, they have people that uh, endorse various Canadian books, yeah, and then they uh, they debate them and uh, sure. people vote. Um, but uh, she, her, the one that she is endorsing right now is uh, representing is Ducks by Kate Beaton. Oh wow! And uh, I'm very curious to see what she says about that. So if you're the kind of person who's interested in that kind of thing, uh, CBC Books uh, is has it that is on. it new books or like old books? Like could you books be like from the last year? Last year. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. The, uh, Canadian books. Canadian books. Okay. So it's a good place to uh, find uh, to maybe some novels you'd like and hear mm-hmm. people talk about them and go, mm-hmm. ah, that, I connect with that. Uh, maybe I'd like to read a little of that. And yeah. this is the whole thing about any awards to me. Yeah. It's like, it's pointless about winning in art or losing in art. But the thing that makes sense is discussion about it and getting new audiences for it. Yeah. So, hey, maybe check that out. That's just uh, my little thing. Yeah. Sounds like something a loser would say. Thanks for listening to Sneaky Dragon. Bye. I was. I was going to give it a shot. And...